This episode of the Brap Talk Motorcycle Podcast is brought to you by AGV Helmets and the new AGV K6. What you need and what you want in a motorcycle helmet. Hello, my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure, my purveyor of bigger boats, Mr. Shaheen Avandi! You know, I think technically that's Captain Shaheen Alvandi if I'm purveying the bigger oh, boats. Oh, yeah. yeah. My apologies, Captain. Uh, oh, Captain, my captain. You, you are you are uh, allowed to board my vessel. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll swab your poop deck. Yeah. You will. Which, you know, polish thinking my. Of, thinking of our conversation when you were coming later. up my stairs, I don't know if that's where we want to go with it. You know, it just, this whole day just suddenly began on the on a darker side of things. We have. <laughs> normally. So a little behind the scenes, BTS. BTS. Oh, B- I like B- hashtag BTS. Hashtag BTS. Hashtag Adam Wahid. Hashtag tight. Tight, tight, tight. Toit like a toiga. Um we 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 set up we set up my living room for the recording. We sit down, we 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 have a little banter, and we and we just kind of get on with things. It's not that's that's kind of like our, our pre-show ritual. Yeah, too. well, like we've learned to talk about non anything but motorcycles. Anything but which may or may not become a podcast. Uh, offshoot podcast copyright <laughs> <laughs> hashtag trademark whatever it is 2020 Coda Kitty Cast ooh Coda Kitty Cast she can be our manager Coda Cast this show we were just a shit show before we got started this is uh, on so pun- many levels are you, are you just punning here are you being literal or non-literal a little, a little bit of metaphor a little bit of literal a little bit of je ne sais quoi uh, je ne sais quoi um I'm a little sleepy. I gotta get some caffeine in me. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. So there's there's a lot going on here, yep. but we're gonna do it. We're gonna get through the show. You got your diet coke in your hands. Uh, listen, this is really weirding me out. This is like the third recording where there's not any Mountain Dew. Like there's two liters of Mountain Dew in my house for you right now. Yes, I should. Why aren't we recording it. there? I we could. That's where the Dew is. That's true. Uh, there's no Coda Kitty there, but there's no, a Truly. There's a Truly, and he barks at random shit. So Truly's pretty cute. Truly's adorable. Yeah. Um, I am down 12 pounds, sir. Dang. Bring it on. Where's Ulrich at? Uh, I don't know. He he stopped. He stopped. Somebody report. on Instagram he, he messaged me. In. Somebody on Instagram messaged me and re- looked like they had texted Chris Ulrich. I don't know if it's the same person or not, but someone. I did talk to Chris, and someone. Uh, some people messaged him on Instagram. <laughs> And he was like, I was going to go, I was going to go yell at them and tell them to fuck off. But then I realized it was probably something dumb that you were doing. <laughs> I was like, you are correct. Credit accepted. <laughs> so he's like, then I had a chuckle and then you're an idiot. <laughs> yep. Which in is all, a, in that order. <laughs> just, which is very true. <laughs> so you're still winning because you're still laughing winning. still. I think, I think I'm winning just because I'm the only one still trying. But uh, the goal is still there. I, I got uh, Alex Taylor coming over for dinner tonight. So we're gonna eat like I'm gonna fatten his ass up. Five bird seeds. Yeah. So we're gonna. I'm just gonna just fatty it. Just just gristle. Just gonna serve him straight gristle. Because I still gotta close that delta. Yeah. And uh, that's a big delta. He got a he got an FZ07R. Great. Have you seen these? No. They're a good looking bike. Good because he needed a faster bike. Exactly right. It's probably like 90 horse or something. So 
it'll still have a, a pretty good margin over mine. But it's a cool. That's worth. That's actually worth talking about because those FCO7Rs are uh, the work of Andy Palmer. Ooh, and the thing I like about them the most is just the bodywork that he created, and it looks a lot like the MotoGP bike that Yamaha runs. It mm-hmm. has the same intake design in the front. It, it, it just it really cleans up the FCO7 in my mind. And and looks looks racy. Like I, I was looking at his bike, and I was like, "That's a good looking." Like it's chain. got a like it's got an old school GP look to it. Yeah, it's just it just looks and good. And yeah. then, um, you know, Andy has figured out a bunch of modifications to to coax that bike from seventy horsepower up to up to like 90, 95 horsepower. I think the Moto America guys are running. Dang, I mean, they're doing a lot of engine work to get there, but um, that's a fairly good mid range power bike too. So I'm sure it's gonna have yeah. A good- Good that's what worries me because i think i think those cripple triples were close to 90 horsepower yeah but you have to wind but it didn't them up. have the torque no and you had to wind them up and now like the their torques uh, the fco 7 rs i think are 50 foot pounds or so but it's Dang. it's a pretty wide uh starts at like idle basically torque. yeah they've got a good like four thousand rpms or so to play with sheet so uh it'll be interesting to see how that how that goes with with alex on there but we definitely need to fatten him up to close that that do, weight delta. do you know roughly what i mean the fco 7 is not necessarily a lightweight bike no but there are guys getting them down to like <clears throat> 330 that's healthy at you know ready to race so okay so have we done the math of like right now you and your kramer added together and Alex and his FZO7R added together. Where are we at? I haven't done it with the FZO7R, but I did it with kind of rough math on his cripple triple. And I'm assuming he weighs 135 pounds. I think I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I size him up. <laughs> what did you think about that? It's like literally 90 to 100 pounds. That's different. I, I weigh 243 right now. Yes. That's crazy. Dang. <laughs> He's like, you're literally two of him almost. I could lose almost half of me and still be almost. You as and Kota <laughs> Kitty would be two of him. <laughs> it's true. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, power to weight ratio, gorilla math. He's probably ahead. Uh, my bike weighs just under 270. Okay. So, so still got about a 50 pound advantage on the bike, but like we said, Almost 100 to yeah. 90 pounds. That's why I'm losing the weight. because so we got to find, find 50 pounds somewhere in the middle there. I'm just doing the math. I'm just like, man, I just got to lose some of them. That, <laughs> that, that algorithm just doesn't go in my favor. You know, I make a mean lasagna. Oh, yeah. We should yeah. do that. I'm just going to keep making keep getting fatty, carbs carby foods for yeah, him. Yeah. Make it really good, like, biscuits and gravy in the mm. morning. It's just all cream and the, sausage. The problem with this, like, I'm listening to you talk about right. lasagna. You're getting hungry? Biscuits and gravy. Like, damn, that sounds good. I want some I want of that, that too. No, you eat kale. I want that in my yeah. You <laughs> eat baked kale. I got a kale. bowl of Brussels sprouts in the fridge <laughs> with my name on it. So that's Woo. been fun. <clears throat> um, yes. So it's been raining here a lot. So I, I we're gonna have snow in a couple of days. I did see that. Ugh, I, uh, I like it. Do you? I got four wheel drive, and I do too. But I hate snow. I, I like one wheel drive a lot. I more. love it because all of Portland becomes a shit show. It becomes your own playground if you if you know how to drive in it, which I do because I lived in Rochester, New York for so many years. Rochester. Like snow is the amount we get here, they get in like oh my God. half an hour. We get an inch of snow and this yeah. place shuts down. I was watching um uh some friends in Canada and some friends in the Midwest, you know, and they're like, Oh yeah, it dumped uh four feet last night. Now I can't get into the garage and you're like, 
That's no. And school's still not out. And school's still not closed. <laughs> like people still, like expect it to go. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, you're definitely going to be at work tomorrow. Wait, your dad's only your toboggan? What the it fuck? It only snowed <laughs> three feet. So you'll definitely be at work. Um, and then the snowstorm comes here and we get literally an inch, literally an inch. But it shuts it down just the shuts entire everything town. down. It's like they get on the news, like, if you don't have to get anywhere, please don't get anywhere. You see cars crashed into things and you're just like, I don't even know. How did that crap? How did <laughs> how did you get the beans above the frank? I've what's, seen it, and it's like there wasn't even any snow right there where you crashed. Yeah, what, what the fuck? Happened? You crashed what? in a straight line. Huh. What were you doing? Were you just imagining it? Then like you got hit. <laughs> it boggles. It boggles my mind. But it what boggles my mind more. Shaheen, I can't believe we're getting on like snow tangent, but it just gets my blood boiling. We're excited. It hasn't come oh, out in a while. Oh, it hasn't happened yet. I just love the people who are like you know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna drive my uh, 1999. Volkswagen Beetle front wheel drive with uh, summer tires in the snow. I think that's going to work out It'll just be fine. fine. It's front wheel drive. It'll be fine. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm I'm amazed that it got stuck. I can't I can't believe that uh, that that turned out to be a bad idea. And he was like, you, you know, the weather's coming. You you see the report. You've seen what snow here does. Was that a Yoda? Did I just do Yoda? Did I like that? Um, snow will come and hit you. Mm-hmm. Snow. Crash you will in the snow. <laughs> you do that pretty good. I can't I can't do the grammar in my head. It's too fucked up. Heavy as hell. <laughs> I already think in those terms. I have to make it come out correctly out of my mouth. <laughs> you just turn the filter off. Yeah. You're like, oh, I can just pull that plug out. Yeah. Surprised my Yoda doesn't have a Persian accent. That <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who didn't see, you just danced Persian for me. I just did the Persian light bulb dance. Light bulb. <laughs> I was turning the light bulb. Persian uh, dance, two light bulbs. Two light bulbs? Yeah, both hands. Is there Indian you. one light bulb? Uh, it's Indian is one light bulb and you pet the dog oh, yeah. with the other hand. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm ready for Diwali. That's a little quick uh, dance lesson for y'all who are listening. Not a good dancer. Get cultured. I am not a good dancer, as anyone who's danced with me will tell you. Um, where are we going? Snow. Snow. Uh, People driving yeah, badly. It's just one of those things where it comes for a day. Yeah, maybe and maybe sticks around for a couple more days afterwards. Great. You can you can call in sick. You can be like, hey, boss, I got a shitty car. I'm not coming in. Work from home. It's too dangerous. Right. Like a lot of people in the city are already doing that. <clears throat> yeah, your boss is calling in sick. The, the place is shut down like, oh, it's a snow day. We're letting people get home early before the snow comes. And yet morons will still go out in their cars and drive around and do it. And it just drives me bonkers. But. It is fun when when it does snow and you're like the only one on the road and you can get around it's and there's yours. no traffic. The only thing that um uh you have to watch out for is the pedestrians who are on their touring skis. Well just they just they just seem to do stupid things. Like Portland already has a problem with people that just walk into the road because pedestrians have the right of way, which they have the right of way everywhere. But man, they take gambles here every they day. They really, they really like it here. And and it what exacerbates it is portland pd will do like undercover sting operations with pedestrians so they'll have a plain plainclothes officer at a crosswalk pretending they're going to cross and if you don't stop for them you'll get pulled over like the next block over and get a ticket (laughs) the task force comes out so all the drivers are super paranoid whenever they see a pedestrian they lock it up and like they cause it causes more accidents probably than it saves pedestrian which is i think why everybody goes 20 miles an hour under the speed limit no, I think it's because they're just on quaaludes. I think this is where all the quaaludes went. There's, I think they're in the water. I mean, That's if you can't beat them, join them. But um, in the snow, I, I just love the pedestrians that just walk into the street as if as if there isn't snow on the ground expecting like, oh, that car? 
That car can stop in five feet. He'll still. be fine. That it ABS. won't. It won't just slide into traffic nah. or slide into me. And then, or they'll be like, "Oh, the, the sidewalk wasn't plowed because no one, no one shovels their snow here." So I walked in the street and thought that would be safer. I'm like, no, walking in the street, it's definitely not safer, especially when you have crazy Portland drivers that are going to slide into you because they don't know what they're doing. I mean, you're wearing your fancy Sorel boots anyways. Just walk in the snow. Who cares? It's waterproof and thermal. Hashtag adventuring. Hashtag adventuring in the city of Portland. Yeah. You know, this is why I think lane splitting should be legal here because everybody's already so overcautious in their cars. I, the idea of like, it's not safe for cars to lane split here. I don't know, man. Everybody drives really slow and everybody's really afraid of pedestrians walking out to the middle of the street. So what the fuck's a... Truthfully, I, I think at least from a Portland perspective... I think the reason we won't get lane splitting is because the cyclists are would just feel like they're not special enough anymore. Like, <laughs> oh, you get to go into the, the bike lane too. That's not fair. I thought it's my bike lane. But it's a bike lane. I'm you also know on that, a bike. That green space before the light. Yeah. Where they the box. Oh yeah, they're, they're their own little stop stop area. They'd fucking lose their shit if a they motorcycle would. pulled in there. I've done it. I know. Do they lose their shit? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You sit there and you're just like, why? This doesn't affect you. Every so often, one of them will look at you and nod at you like, what's up? Uh, but that's like one out of 100. The other 99 are like, you motherfucker. <laughs> no, it's like fucking um, Mad Max. You know, they're like getting ready to like spike you with a mace or you know, something. What they do is they're, they're doing their balancing act where oh. they don't get off the bike, but they're still giving you shit. But they're like, I'm going to kick your whoa, ass. Oh, God, I'm going to fall. <laughs> on their fixies on their double decker fixies the old fixies eh Ugh. anywho um so yeah it's gonna snow here but that long long story to haven't been riding the motorcycle much i know i wrote it i wrote it a handful of times uh this last week but <sighs> you should put um spikes on those tires but that's we don't the, get enough snow and ice the for the only appropriate use for those tires i know, I know. or a chain is there a motorcycle chain like a, like a tire chain? We can make one. That'd be fascinating. Oh, wow. It really is going really to snow. Oh, yeah, man. Starting Monday night. Starting Monday. Oh, wow. 18 degrees. Woo. That's legit cold. That's like really that's cold. Not, that's not really cold, but that's that's cold. Like You're going to put a jacket on. Like when I come here next week for a uh, recording, I'll be the only person on the road probably. I'll probably get here and record rec- record 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 time. See? ESL. Oh, truthfully, like we should probably record before the snow just in case. We'll have our snow special. We'll talk about okay. We'll just sleds and snowmobiles and live from a toboggan. <laughs> Wee <laughs> toboggan show. You want the Goldwing show? Toboggan toboggan show. show, where the show only lasts fifteen seconds because that's all in toboggan. That's all we toboggan got. Goes for. <laughs> we just keep going up and down the hill. We have we'll to just have really Anne drive the Subaru and we'll get towed behind her on the yes. toboggan. Yes, we won't get hurt. We'll be fine. Never would get hurt doing that. <laughs> um, I want to talk some motorcycles with you because that's what this show is about. Uh, but I want to give a little bit of a local plug. Hit it. The Portland Film Motorcycle Film Festival is coming up. It is in, I think, three End or of this four month? weeks. Wait, I should get the dates. I should have been more Is it starting the 26th or 20th? Uh, well, here's the thing. I'm the guest judge, so I should probably know. You should definitely know a little bit as better. the guest judge. I'm going to be a guest guest. Uh, what day is it? Come. I thought it was January 28th. January 24th and 25th. Oh, I was way off. Um, I think tickets are sold out for the, one of the nights, but by the time you get this, because, you know, it's going to take us a day or two, uh, you should definitely get online and buy your tickets. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to. Do you want to do a 
a giveaway of sorts? Do you have any extras to give away? I did have tickets, and, then, oh, I, gone. and then I sold them. Oh, nice. Uh, Capitalism at its finest. I didn't make a profit. Oh, come on, man. I'm just an, I'm just an intermediary. Um, but yeah, we should have done that. We weren't thinking. We weren't thinking. But it helps raise money for Omar, which is great. Oh, perfect. So That's good. That. I'm into that. Um, just, just something to be aware of. We got the one show coming up soon. Uh, Portland's got a cool motorcycle scene, man. I like we, it. It's, uh, I've always said it. It's, it's amazing that as, as small and as seasonal as the city is, the motorcycle scene here is pretty strong and, uh, people come out and drove as soon as you do something motorcycle related. Well, you know, this year, the, the one shows it's at the, the Moda center or the cow palace, what do they call that thing? The Coliseum. Yeah, it's crazy. The Coliseum where it's like huge. there's giant concerts there and stuff like that yeah um so that that show i remember when that show was just kind of in like a warehousey like not like not warehouse like art gallery yeah size right. building because then it got to the warehouse for the last few years not uh, the, the old pickle factory the old pickle factory which looked like where dreams go to die it's i don't know it's a pretty cool building it's just this giant like old school cement building with glass that barely fucking worked. Like it was so cold in there, but I loved it a lot. I was there uh, the first year that they were there. I was I was there when they were loading in, so I was it was still pretty empty. And I was walking around. And I was like, this this is just a lawyer's nightmare. Oh yeah, this is just oh, like yeah. a lawsuit waiting to happen. And I think I think they figured it out a little bit more since then. But the show's gotten really big, and there's a lot of people coming. A lot of industry people show up. It's it's kind of the first motorcycle show, um, custom bike show of the year, right? In, in the circuit of it, so it kind of sets the tone. So yeah, it's cool. It's good on good on tour and the, the CC crowd for for getting that and, and growing it out. I got to hang out with um, one of the builders last weekend, Gregor Holenda. Oh yeah, he built that badass. Uh, I think it's the like BMW. An R100. Uh, yeah, the adventure Denver bike. Huh? The adventure bike. The adventure bike, yeah. I've, I've been threatening to steal that bike for a while, but I got to touch its butt. Should be careful. That's breaking the law. I guess. But if I admit to it, is it just borrowing? I don't know. I don't think it works that way. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. I'm not. Wait, you are a lawyer. Fuck. I should know that then. <laughs> You're my lawyer now. Um. Yeah, that's, that's definitely breaking the law. The thing about that one show is... You know, you can tell it's getting big because people start like complaining as well about, nah, the tickets cost too much. Man, the line was too long. Man, I can't believe I had to pay for beer. My kombucha didn't taste like a science experiment in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, I'm upset about that. Man, I want the finest things in life, but I don't want to pay for them. Man, they said it was soy protein, but it tasted like whey protein. It was oat milk. I knew it. Yeah, so. There's a bit of complaining. I'm already reading it online. They're they're doing a lot of sponsored ads on Facebook, and I'm they're Are they? to, oh yeah, they keep coming along. My, you know, how Facebook like you look up one thing, and it's like I'm gonna advertise the fuck out of that for you now. Hmm. Um, I get a lot of porn related stuff. I don't know why. Actually, they do zero porn ads on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. You think? Like, no, no. You look up a nonstick pan once, and that's all I ever see is nonstick pans or one like custom made chef's knife, which I'm buying. Um, all of that. No, they block it. it. It violates their ad guidelines. I mean, money's money. What the fuck? Yeah, but they're still doing like the like family place thing. I guess. Yeah. You go to Breitbart though. <laughs> you get you know? all the penis enhancements you need. <laughs> is is that- your dick too small? <laughs> Whoa. Is 12 inches too small? Do I we like have the pill for you then? It can always be bigger. <laughs> this pill will make it at least 12 inches bigger. 
Um, 15 if you're brown. The the one big topic I want to talk to you today, Shaheen, Ooh. I'm going to put it at the front. Good. Damon Motorcycles. Dude. Tell me your thoughts so I can tell you why it's a horrible idea. <laughs> I like the Jensen <laughs> approach. It's a neat idea gonna, you got there. Here's why it's a piece of shit. Front load my opinion, <laughs> which is that I do not like this. <laughs> so, you know, I think as we get older, I'm put on my glasses and tell you what I really feel. Um, it's, it's really, we've been burnt, I guess, by so many different companies that promise you all these grand stuff. This Damon Hypersport, I mean, they're basically telling you it's going to be the three 200s. It's going to be 200 horsepower. It'll go 200 miles an hour and it'll have like real world. And that's what they say on their website. Real world, 200 mile range up to 300. If you ride it on the streets, just like city streets. Now, those are some crazy fucking promises, man. And if they can deliver on those three, as somebody on our Instagram wrote today, I'll eat my fucking hat. Yeah. That's that's insane. Like, where's are they doing dry cell batteries? What are they doing? How is it how's it so small, but having the twice the range of anything else in the market right now? Well, that's the other. And then uh, you know, word from so it, it debuted at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, CES. And word from CES is the Damon people are saying it's going to be under 500 pounds. They're actually quoting close to 440. What? So you sit there and you're like, and the pricing is 25, I think, or 24. Yeah, 24.995, I think, is yeah, what they're for saying. Yeah, for the base. And you're sitting there and you're like, okay. So Panigale power. Yep. Panigale price. Right. Panigale performance. Yep. But it's electric, which is what the market needs. Like, if you want to be successful in selling an electric motorcycle, you have to have parity with the gas bikes because that's your competition. And those three things they promise is like the basics of what they're promising. There's a lot more to the spec that they're talking about. That's the thing. And so they're so just to be clear, they're talking about it has like this uh, variable geometry where the handlebars, foot pegs. And windscreen will change based like, on your riding need. So stuff can, of dreams, man. I want that. Yeah. Uh, Kawasaki had a concept like this about six years ago. It's, a, it's an interesting idea. Because okay. then you could have like kind of one bike that does it all. Then they also have a, a, like a situational awareness alert system that uses cameras and radar. And... Uh, that technology is already out. Tesla's doing it. Yeah. I mean, and actually, Bosch has been playing around with like an adaptive cruise control, which uses basically the same system just for a different purpose. And so you look at those two systems and you're like, that's going to add a lot of weight. And it has these front cameras and rear cameras. Right. And you're just sitting there and you're just looking at it like, and and their their quote is, um, if, you, if you dive deep enough into their website, which is not laid out very well. They have a 21 kilowatt hour battery pack. And I don't know if that's nominal or if that's theoretical, but let's say roughly 20, 20 kilowatt hours. And you just sit there and like everything, like you put all those specs onto the, onto a sheet and you're like, there's impossibilities here. You can't go, um, 300 miles on 20 kilowatt hours. Right. Now, if you, if you dive in deep into it, they'll, the, the true highway range at 70 miles an hour, they are quoting 161 miles. But no one else is able to get that kind of range no. with with that many kilowatt hours. So you're like, how how are you doing that with that energy? And then you look at like a great example would be Energica, the Energica Ego, the the 2019 or the 2020 models, I should say, the 2020 models. 
they have a 20 kilowatt hour pack a similar size pack mm-hmm. they weigh 560 pounds mm-hmm. now there's some spots where you can maybe lose some weight on the energica but you're not losing 120 pounds and then adding these systems because i looked at that variable geometry thing it's like a shoebox size of aluminum on those on those forks it's got a motor. It's got a whole thing that it's got to do. Mm-hmm. Like they've probably got an extra 30, 40 pounds in, in stuff that's giving them these extra features that they're, that they're touting. Right. And you're sitting there going like, you're, you're literally quoting like Panigale figures in weight. Like the, one of the lightest superbikes on the market, like Suzuki didn't even get their superbike that, that low. And you're going to do that with this huge battery pack and all these other add-ons. I don't buy it. And then they're just talking like 200 horsepower. That's totally doable. It won't. I don't know how they're managing the heat for that because there's no radiator on the concept bike that they're showing. And I understand too. It's a concept bike. And a lot of those photos are renders. Oh, yeah. And so you just kind of sit there and you're just like, no, no, this is bullshit. This is all like you, you, you're, you're saying a bunch of things and you're like, you're saying three things. And you're like, no, you got to pick two of those. You can only have two of those. Things. <laughs> the, the other, like they're mutually exclusive and, and, it's a whole it's a whole just can of bullshit and you're sitting there just like this smells like scully this smells like the the last iteration of mission motorcycles where mm-hmm. it's just we're gonna promise you the moon oh and they're gonna deliver by 2021 they have they have and we're not gonna use a dealer network we're gonna go direct to consumer and you're like okay so how are you gonna handle warranties how are you gonna handle recalls how are you gonna <laughs> handle um you know part failures or or upgrades or anything like that like What's what's your after sales strategy? Yeah. Because that put like zero tried that and it nearly put them out of business. And Bramo tried the whole, you know, non-dealer route and it it basically did put them out of business. They wasted a ton of money in the process. So that also got them funding from Best Buy, but it basically put them out of out of business. Um and he just sit there and like, where are you gonna do production? Your team's based in Canada, but where are you gonna build these bikes? Is it China? I mean, I, I just, I just sit there and like, you don't have a production team. It, it smells, if you do a little digging, I don't know how accurate it is, but there's uh, on Crunchbase it says that they've funded up to four million dollars right now. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So you're like, you need a hundred million dollars to bring to bring we a motorcycle about this to market. In the Alta, uh, yeah, discussion. Alta did it with about fifty to sixty million. And they still can do it, and 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 that was still a fail. Yeah. Um, I think they were really close. I think, I think. I think you take the Alta team, you do it over again, maybe they succeed because they learn from a couple of mistakes. But that's that's the thing. Uh, and we'll bring we'll come back to Alta because there's a reason for that. Um, but you just sit there and I'm just like looking at this. I'm like, there is so much smoke and mirror. There is so much bullshit. There's so much stuff that doesn't pass the smell test. And I want it to be true. I want I'm always I always want that thing. What 200 horsepower, 200 miles. You know, twenty four, twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, that that's what an electric bike needs to be. It's yeah. like, but you're not there yet. The technology's not there yet. Your team's not there yet. Maybe maybe these ideas are interesting. I'm not personally asking for any of them, but maybe I go and I ride it and I realize how how, how much I need it now. Right. But I'm just I'm like, it's just such bullshit. And I look at a lot of the coverage. A lot of the coverage is eating it up. And you sit there like, do you guys not remember it? Do you not remember how how bullshit this is? We have really short attention spans, though, man. People forget shit really quickly, and that's that's I think one of the uh, stuff, one of the things that most marketing departments bank on, right? Like, wow, oh, this already happened, yeah, yeah. But just give them a different twist, or name it something different, or give it a different look. 
just, I mean, I'm with you. Physically, I don't know how they're fitting all this technology and all this everything into a sub 400 pound or even if it's a little over 400 pound sub uh, 500 pound. sub five okay yeah sub 600 pound honestly that's, I, that's what I, said. I was like this bike has to be over 600 pounds yeah. if it's under 500 i'm amazed like just looking at their their video and i'm sure it's all rendered but like of the you know the foot pegs moving and so all the hydraulics or electronics needed for all that that shit weighs something weighs something right unless you're using all titanium stuff, in which case, how the fuck is it only $25,000? That's the, that's what he mentioned that. That's the exact conversation I had with another industry person where I was saying, like, there's no way. There's no way this bike is sub 500 unless they're using all titanium and all carbon fiber, in which case, there's no way it's $24,000. Sorry, $25,000. It's just the thing, there's too many things that are just mutually exclusive. You can't have something that's that light with right. that much stuff on it and, and cost this much you can't have that much battery like even even the battery to price ratio is a little off well no even i think they back. sold it with like almost no margin i still can't believe it costs that well, much well that's their thing that's what they're saying is because they're cutting out the dealer network they're able to they're making the margin on that because and that and that's a really good point i i think that's an, a really interesting thing because when you buy a bike from a dealership it's getting marked up by the dealership. It's getting marked up by the uh, OEM, right? You know, and then there's the actual cost of building it. So there's a couple layers of margin there, and you can you can absorb some of that by going direct to consumer. That's why the direct consumer model is so great. You cut out the middleman, right? But that much, I don't think it's just, that much. You just can't sell a motorcycle without a dealer to a certain extent. Like we're just there's just too much in the after sales side of it. Yeah. It's just a little too hard, and and someone will crack that nut eventually. Maybe. Do you think they're going to try and do it like Tesla, where there's just straight to consumer type thing with Tesla, where you still have to end up going to some kind of a storefront or something to take delivery of it? Because when Tesla first came out, I think even still now, you that's basically go to a mall and there is like a little Tesla kiosk. Yeah. And when they deliver it to you, somebody that's you know really well uh, versed in the car comes through and tells you everything about it. So I guess there is that, but. I mean, having having worked on the dealership side, I have a pretty decent idea of what margins look like, and I'm thinking of like, you know, you know let's let's talk about that uh, 2020 CBR 1000 RR Fireblade, SP2 Fireblade SP. King Dingling, <laughs> right? So that that bike, let's say it ends up being a thirty thousand dollar motorcycle, I I doubt that it's going to have more than a ten, maybe eleven percent margin on it from from wholesale to dealer. Even if that was the case, so you're saying the dealer is only adding about ten percent. So if the dealer sells it, he's only making three thousand dollars. If that, I mean, that's that's not accounting for their uh, their service and all that stuff, which most most dealers will charge you freight and setup charge to kind of offset that thing, right? But so you know, do the math there. Like, let's say they use all carbon fiber and you know all new carbon fiber tech and all new titanium or lightweight you know uh, uh, material tech. That shit costs money. There's a reason why something like a Panigale V4R costs $40,000. I mean, we've talked about, you know, what does it cost to build a CBR500 versus a 1000? It's not a huge difference, but when you start talking about exotic materials that makes things super duper light, someone's still charging you a ton of money to sell you that material as a manufacturer. So where are they finding that kind of margin that to be able to sell something as fantastic as they're talking about? Let's say everything they say is true, which I have lots of doubt about. 
how are they able to sell it to the consumer at $25,000? Or is this just kind of like, is it going to be a ruse where they're like, well, we meant like the version 2.0 is going to be closer to this thing. We just wanted to kind of get like startup money on this. I think that's exactly what it is. I think 100% this, especially looking at how much they've capitalized so far, $4 million is is seed money for a company like this. They have a team of roughly 12 people. This is 100% what you do when you're trying to raise funding. This is this is this is the same bullshit that Scully was doing. This is the same bullshit that Mission was doing. It's the same bullshit that all of them do. Where it's get some hype, get a lot of press. That helps find investors, that helps drive investors. Right. And then you come back and say like, "Oh, well, now we're ready for our production version because this bike isn't production ready." They they I mean, you look at it, it's not. There's no mirrors, there's no license plate, there's no turn signals, there's no provisions for those. Yep. So they're going to have to go through another iteration just to do that. But more importantly, they're going to have to go through another iteration to do a production version that can be assembled easily and assembled for cheap mm-hmm. and can be produced and is easy to work on. Like There's so many little design things that they haven't even tackled that are, let's say, more real-world design issues, like actual uses for, for servicing and for sales and for shipping and you know building. Um. And that's what they'll, that'll be the next, the next iteration. But like they need another $20 million probably to do that. So, and that's, and that's too why they launch it at CES and not ICMA. Yeah. Because CES is a bunch of tech industry journalists, it's right. a bunch of tech industry people who some of them might ride motorcycles, might know a lot about motorcycles, but they probably don't know the business side of motorcycles. And they're not going to sit there and, you know, I'm not going to say that this is a publication that was doing it wrong, but like TechCrunch is one of the biggest tech blogs out there. And so like the guy that covers like the, uh, the, the dame and motorcycles on TechCrunch, he's probably also covering like Tesla's and other things. So he might know some automotive stuff, right? but he's not going to sit there and be like, well, you know, this, this range and this, this power, like you can't with the form factor, not the same detail. Like the, the, the mainstream, tech journalist doesn't know the intricacies of motorcycling enough to be able to like really get the sniff test. So you kind of have like a naive thing. We're like, Oh, Oh, it's got this safety thing. That's interesting. It's got a, a LIDAR just like uh, Tesla. That oh, Tesla. I know Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Right. This is the motorcycle of Tesla's. Um, I think I said that the other way around Tesla's of motorcycles. There Tesla's we go. A mo- yeah. yeah. A little <laughs> dyslexia. Um, and it's just, it's just, yeah, that's the reason you do it is because people don't know better and you can get the headlines and it's just sit there and it just it just feels so swarmy. It's interesting uh, that uh, that some of these um, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say automotive manufacturers are now showing up at CES like now we've got electronic manufacturer talking about doing automotive Sony. Yeah. They just came out with a car at that same yeah. place a concept car so uh, it's like uh, an autonomous car. I thought yeah. That makes more sense to me because an autonomous car is a bit different. And, and it's going to be a bit different than the car we have today. Like an autonomous car eventually is going to end up being a living room on on wheels. Yep. I was about to say four wheels, but it might not even be four wheels. It might hover. It might hover. Dun, it might have dun, six dun. wheels. It might have eight wheels. Right. It might have two wheels. I don't know. But that's the thing where it, it's going to be different. Like you're not going to have to worry about, you know, well, the four-wheel drive selector and the steering wheel and the console. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, you're just making a living room. Does it have heat? Does it have air conditioning? Does it have a TV? Does it have a couch I can sit on? How comfortable is it for it to get me from point A to point yeah. B safely without me having to be involved in the situation at all? It's just a ton of electronics to do that. So yeah. it kind of makes sense. It's just, I don't know, man. Uh, the thing that, the only thing that that makes me like have a little bit of faith in Damon is that Derek Dornstein from uh, Alta is now their... Uh, COO as of last summer. 
And he was like the drive, one of the driving forces behind it. He's one of the founders of Alta and was basically the guy responsible for all the technical bits on the Redshift electric motorcycles, which they got right very, very well. Um, and like I know him on a personal level. Like when I sit there, I'm like, Derek's a good dude. He's smart. He's super smart. He's a good dude. And I'm kind of like, why are you with these people? I don't, I don't get it. And, and maybe it's like he comes in and says, hey, like this is totally – this is bananas. You guys have to, you know, you're, you're at like a, and you think you're at Q, mm-hmm. but I can help you get there. I don't know. It's, I haven't had a chance to talk to him. About I, it, I would love to see the internal conversations between like this marketing team that's pushing this, this concept and the actual engineering team. That's like, fuck, pump the brakes guys. We're just trying to figure this shit out. For sure. Well, <laughs> how much of it do you think is hype? hundred percent of it? Uh, I mean, they have, uh at least one bike that looks like it's probably functional is that so, the one that's going through the circuit right now well, yeah it looks like they have two or three sitting on their booth but I'm the sure. one the vr one someone was telling me like it's basically stripped down it's just it's just like a shell hmm. um I, I i debated about going to ces and i kind of regret not so um but when, when is their proposed no, d- delivery? I was going to say to answer your question, ninety eight percent hype, ninety nine percent hype. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, there's just not enough substance here. They're too, they're too far off from where I know they have to be. To having signing up dealers, to having someone doing dealers, thinking about after sales, uh, having a production facility, having a working prototype. Yeah, and they're still doing that whole thing like, oh. Well, do you want to like join our influencer program? How many Instagram followers do you yeah. have? I'm like, okay, Scully. Um, There's a while where Scully was only letting people who were like influencers uh, wear their helmets. And it was funny. They they actually, Damon actually flew out one of my buddies who's a YouTube influencer. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him about it. And he like totally, like he's a really good guy. Um Oh man, he's a really good guy, but maybe he doesn't think as critically like I do about right. some of the things. Like in a, because he's not a journalist, right? He's just a YouTube guy. He he just likes doing his riding his bikes, which is great. But he was like, "Oh man, this is gonna be so great." And I'm like, "Dude, we gotta sit and talk. Like this is bullshit. You're getting dragged into some bullshit." And he was all about it. Um, he was all about the hype, and because that's what they want. They want like people that don't really know what they're talking about to hype this bike. How hard is it to get an and that's influencer why they want to, to do that? You yeah, know? and that's super easy when you get like YouTube influencers or Instagram influencers, which is who they're targeting. That's super easy to do when you go to CES and not ICMA. Right. So that to me, just there's just a lot of moves that they're doing that we've seen other super vaporware companies do as well in the past. And you're yep. sitting there going like, I've seen this playbook before. Now, I hope it works out better, but I've seen this playbook before. Um, when do you think they're going to let, you know, critical thinkers come through and look at the thing i guess whenever they have 2022 because they're gonna miss that 2021 delivery date for yeah, sure probably don't believe it in a, in a minute there's just no way let's say even like 2021 delivery means december 2021 so you have two years so what you're telling me is this is going to be out potentially before the Tenere 700 <laughs> that's actually the i mean i'm being semi-serious about this because here we are talking about a company named yamaha that's been around forever building shit forever building a fairly simple motorcycle and it's still taking them a while to bring it to the u.s side mm-hmm. whereas this brand new startup company with four million dollar seed money is somehow going to deliver these hyper uh technical bikes to the market by 2021 same time like i, I don't 
I hate to sound so pessimistic about it, but I've seen way too much to be like, oh yeah, these guys are going to be able to handle it. Just just look at how long it took Zero or Bramo or Alta to go from the $4 million stage, right. concept stage, maybe with one working bike to actual production. Um, it just it just takes too long. You need they need a team five six times their size. Yeah, uh, it's just that ramp up. I mean, maybe maybe if you're gonna do because because the, they're doing that like production run the the super premium version is like forty G's, mm-hmm. and they're gonna do twenty five of those. You might be able to make twenty five of those in the next two years, maybe. Because you can build those by hand. You can have four engineers building them, mm-hmm. you know, one at a time in a room, in your conference room, kind of bullshit. Like, you can bullshit your way through that. That's not a bike you but can register not, and get insured, though. It's so hard to do that. It's just, I don't know, man. Like, I just, this one, this this announcement this week is 100% we're looking for funding. Yeah. Or we're trying to sell this technology, get acquired. I wonder is, how many. That is one hundred percent how I how I read it, and I want them to prove me otherwise because I, I want to see that bike hit all those specs and be on the market. I yeah. want that that machine to exist, and it's not a bad looking bike either. Um, I don't love it, but it's not bad looking. But if it delivers on the promise of all the technology, I could give two shits about what it looks like. To be honest with you, I'm curious to see because the looks they can always work on, but that technology that they're talking about, everything that they're talking about is a is a crazy cool package. Well, I mean, that's the other part of it. Where, like, you're going to create this situational awareness. They're saying it's powered by AI, which is like a term that should just not be Stop thrown it, yeah. out there <laughs> as much as it is. Um, but yeah, you're gonna you're gonna log a shit ton of data, and you're gonna put it in a cloud, and you're gonna try and find patterns in it. I mean, that's a that's a twenty person team plus. Yeah, you know that's that's more than just some guy with a laptop. Um. I wonder how many questions they're getting now from from you know the other Jensen's of the world that are saying, "Hey, we got a lot of questions. Can you guys answer them?" And they're they're probably writing back, going, "Not at this time." You know, at what point are they going to start answering questions? They did hit me up to see if I wanted to interview the CEO um, at CES, and I wasn't going to be at CES. But like, it would literally be one question, and it would be prove to me this isn't a scam. Yeah, that that's all. Like, prove to me this is real because none of it seems real. Everything that you're saying, everything you're doing, it doesn't pass the smell test. So prove to me how you're going to do it. Yeah. You're trying to sell me a chocolate chip cookie and I smell raisins, motherfucker. Right. And I don't <laughs> like raisins. You're going to piss me off. And that, and that pisses me off as a, as a journalist. And as someone that has a readership, I feel like I have to protect them from from the bullshit. Yeah. I was talking to a colleague and I was like, man, your story really like you think this is going to really work out. huh?" And he's like, well, I don't think so. But, you know, I don't want to. Why are you editorialize? And I was like, you need, you you might. I get the you don't want to editorialize in a news story, but there is a certain duty to protect your readers from bullshit. Yeah, and that's where I sit there. I'm just like, this smells like bullshit. You know, the Tenere when you do that, like that was like, okay, you're gonna take forever to get out there. Like, all right, Yamaha, come on, let's go. Okie dokie. I guess I'll buy a KTM and you wait know, for you. I can understand, like, okay, you don't want to editorialize on, like, right. the the piece where, like, you're announcing the bike that comes out, you know, the specifications and, and all that jazz. But if you knew, if you took one look at that Yamaha and you're like, oh, yeah, that thing's going to, like, explode when you get on it and don't call that out, like, I feel like you've, you've 
reneged on your duty as a journalist. Yeah. Like you were supposed to shine a light on on the bad and you didn't. So this 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 needs some light. This needs some sanitation. And the this, companies do a fine enough job marketing their material and telling you how awesome and great and the best thing since sliced bread it is. I think it's your job as a journalist to kind of look at it and and not necessarily prove them wrong, but at least there's a reason why we're reading your material. We're trying to get the insider scoop of am I making the right decision by investing in this machine for myself? No, that's a really it's a really good point, Shane, because I think in the journalism space, we take what the OEMs say at their face value because there is a certain amount of trust and honesty that's built into that. And I wouldn't and there's like a there's a few asterisks that go with that. Like but like horsepower, like specifications. Mm-hmm. The rake is 20, 28 degrees. I'm not going to get my protractor out and measure that. I believe you when you say it's 28 degrees. Right. And there's no reason for them to lie about that number. Where we start getting into muddy waters is weight and power. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice a lot of OEM subsidiaries don't mention power. It's because the American bikes aren't making European power levels or they're having things happen like the honda and the suzuki uh super bikes where uh as they get up well, actually and then now the bmw where the throttle is being because uh, it's right by wire you might be giving mechanically a hundred percent twist on the grip but the throttle body is only opening up let's say 40 percent. yeah based on the computers right and they don't want you to realize that so that's where you're starting this like well we quote this as it weighs 440 pounds at the curb and a brand like honda for example you can go and take that bike, put it on a scale, 440 pounds at the curb. They, you know, that that's one of those brands like you say that bike weighs it. I believe you. Mm-hmm. A brand like Ducati. And Ducati changed their story, what, two, three times in the they've, last they, They've changed of the way that they, they're measuring horsepower and where they're measuring it at. And they're playing that game. And you see a lot of brands will play the game where they say their bike makes 220 horsepower. Uh, in fact, I actually had a, a press officer tried and correct me he was like you keep saying our bikes are making less horsepower it makes let's, let's say it makes 200 horsepower. It's like this bike makes 200 horsepower i'm like no your bike makes 136 kilowatts <laughs> right. of power which when you do the math is 197 horsepower i'm just pulling numbers out of my ear i don't know if these line up at all in fact i don't think they do uh be closer to like 150 ish <laughs> 150 kilowatts to 200 horsepower roughly 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 um but it'd be like, no, 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 it makes 200 CV or it makes 200 CH or PS. That's a metric horsepower unit, which isn't the same as like the horsepower you and I know and love. Mm-hmm. And so you can say it makes 200 CV, but you can't translate that and say it makes 200 horsepower with CV meaning literally Chevalier Veloce means horsepower, but it's not the same. Mm. And like, I'm like, I'm not going to play the European horsepower quoting game. I'm going to tell you what it makes in American horsepower, and then I'm going to tell you what it makes in kilowatts. And if you want to make the conversions, you can figure it out yourself. I'm trying to give my readers as much information as possible, but it's because you guys have started lying about things a little bit. You're trying to do a little bit of marketing because the European number is two, three horsepower is higher usually. So that And that game started playing when the manufacturers were trying to get to that 200 horsepower point because they couldn't quite get there, but they could get there on European numbers. Yep. Our metric numbers and not, uh, you know, imperial numbers. Um, so that's that thing where, like, we kind of, and even then, like, we're still kind of taking them at their word because you go and you take that 200 horsepower bike and you put it on your dyno down the street 
And for some reason, that 200 horsepower bike only makes 170 horsepower. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? And you're like, yeah, okay. That's enough of a known entity that like I'm not going to lose my shit over it. But it is kind of one of those things like, well, we still have to trust you to like kind of be in the ballpark. Yeah. Uh, the the bike that is quoted at 205 horsepower should make 175. Well, the bike that makes 205 horsepower should make five more horsepower than the bike that makes 200 horsepower when I go and measure them on the dyno. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, then we start seeing muddy waters. So there's kind of this weird gentleman's agreement there. And then like the EV people came in and they're just like, oh, we're, yeah, we're not a part of that. Like that, we didn't sign that treaty. And that's when we had a lot of people making crazy range claims. And I'm looking at you, Zero. You made crazy oh, yeah. claims on the vehicle range that were just impossible. Like, And, you know, the, the reaction to that was the MIC came out with one of their testing standards. And now we see an SAE testing standard. And there's uh, an EPA. EPA? What's the organization? There's a DOT testing standard. Right. Um, so... You know, there's there's had to be like a little bit of a response to some of the craziness that was going on. And I think it's still that that case here where it's here's more crazy range claims, here's more power claims. Like like here's a company that truthfully, from my perspective, doesn't seem like they're being incredibly honest about things. So I don't believe anything they say now. I just assume everything's a lie. And then we'll start going picking through and figuring out what's real. And it's the same thing that we have to do with with some other brands as well. So um yeah, it's funny you bring up the marketing because, you know, there's usually a little bit more. Like, we, we expect a little bit of lying in the marketing, but there's usually a little bit more truth than there is here. I think that's the trick. That's the best way of lying, right? Like, sprinkle your lies within a bunch of truth. There's a great uh, quote from Battlestar Galactica about that. What is it? And I don't want to have to, like, get through, like, the whole thing. But the quote is basically, the problem with Leoban isn't that he lies. is he tells truth with his lies. And the idea that, like, like you just said, if a, a bold-faced lie. A 100% lie. Really easy to tell. Super easy to spot. Yeah. A 50% lie is really tough. Right. That's, and that's good marketing. That's good marketing no matter what you're selling. That's, uh, I disagree with that. I think that's bad marketing. And I think that's marketing that eventually catches up to you because marketing is a relationship that you're building with your customer and you're going to build that relationship on a lie. Good luck. That's That's happening a a lot in the electric vehicle. That's a short term relationship. Yeah. I feel like the EV realm, you know, their their main concern, well, not even their main concern. I think the consumer's main concern as far as they're concerned is range because there is a thing called range anxiety when you Absolutely. have an electric vehicle. So how are you going to sell something, you know, when you want to be truthful and say, oh, this thing only gets 60 miles range, which is nothing. Um, but like if you test it in the most perfect scenario going the perfect speed and the perfect temperature and the perfect everything and it gets 100 miles then you come out and say, oh, it did 100 miles. You're not necessarily lying. It did 100 miles, but it's not a realistic scenario. It's not It's not a real it's user. It's not repeatable. It's not. Not yeah. at all. Um, and that's the difference between marketing and the scientific method. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it all goes, Shaheen. Um, I, I don't expect uh, Asphalt and Rubber to cover Damon Motorcycles very much because, because of these reasons. I don't think there's anything to cover. I think it's just marketing. I think it's just hype, and I'm not here to hype someone's product. That's not what I do. Yeah. Um, but we'll probably check in time to time and see what goes on. Uh, I'll probably take them up on that offer to to uh, interview the CEO. And that literally be the question. Prove to me this isn't a scam. And I'll just pass you the mic. Tell me things. Yeah. 
We should take an advertising break and we come back. Uh, there's some more stories we should talk about. I'm going to go have some whiskey. This episode of the Brab Talk Motorcycle Podcast is brought to you by AGV Helmets and the new AGV K6. Finally, there's a comfortable, versatile, and safe road helmet for any motorbike and any rider thanks to the same advanced materials and innovative technologies used to help world champions achieve the maximum at the racetrack and in the most extreme conditions. Everything you need is now combined with everything you've ever wanted, the AGV K6 helmet. And we are back. Uh, Shaheen. That's me. One of the stories from CES that I was excited about was the new Alpine Stars Tech Air 5 airbag vest. Wow, with these long names, man. Ugh. 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 Tech Air Alpine Star Tech Air 5 vest. No, actually, it's not that terrible. It's not that bad. <laughs> really Alpine good. Stars is kind of a hard name to, to spit out of your mouth. We'll just... A stars. Hmm. A stars. That's a little better. That's a little better. A little better. A star. A star. Stop acting like such an A star. Yeah. Or do act like an A star. Give me that vest. Um, so pretty interesting piece of tech. Uh obviously a direct response to the Dainese smart vest, mm -hmm. but it is basically a wearable airbag uh self-contained autonomous vest. That doesn't need a specific jacket to be worn over it. Squeak. <laughs> um the the kicker is where where it's different from the Dainese unit. It can only be worn under a garment, under a jacket. Okay. Whereas the Dainese one, you can wear on the outside of a jacket. Although, truthfully, I got hands on with the Dainese one the other day, and I was just like, I don't know if I would want to wear this. Is it bulky on the top? It's just weird. It's just weird, and I would I, I want to see what the Alpine Stars ones like too, because I it's just it's interesting. But hmm. let's focus on the Alpine Stars. Um. It can be worn with any textile jacket okay. that has four centimeters of room around the circumference of the body. So buy one that's larger than usual. Yeah, I guess it would just be like, as long as you're not wearing like a super form-fitting right. jacket. Kind of a looser medium jacket. by large. Four centimeters is a lot of space. Four centimeters is not that much space. I mean, it's like an inch. Yeah. It's a little over an inch. Is that two inches? Two and a half centimeters to an inch. I guess it's almost two inches. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a, that's a whole size that's difference. A bitch. Yeah, did I say a bitch. B that's a bench. A bit. I meant to say a bit, mother. Not a, a bitch. A bit and an a inch bit. is a bench. A bit, and then I kind of had a sneeze, and it made it sound like bitch. A bench. <laughs> um. Wait, does your mom listen to this? No, my mom doesn't know oh. like what a podcast Ooh. is. She's going to say, what's up, Mama B? <laughs> she will like some every cookies. episode on Facebook. She now. does all of them, and she yes. comments. She's on Instagram now. I know. <laughs> Mama B follows Terrifying. me. I'm just saying. Terrifying. I have to watch my mouth. Mama uh, B, I don't know. Like, I don't watch my mouth in front of my own mom the way I watch her in front of Mama B. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a brave new world. Um, I guess four centimeters is pretty big. It is. That's what I tell the ladies. Size does matter. Four centimeters is a lot, Jensen. Right. Check out this four centimeters I got right here. These are four European centimeters, not American <laughs> inches. It's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> so. Wait, four, only textile jackets? Only textile. Ah. And any leather jacket that has a built-in expansion panel for an airbag, which really specific. just means... Their Alpine Stars of Dainese jackets. <laughs> right. But 
it does open the door for let's take take a brand like Revit, yeah, where they could make a jacket and be like, "This is our airbag ready jacket. It's a normal leather jacket. We're not going to put an airbag in it." You want to get a Dainese system? You want to get an Alpine Star system? Whatever you want to right, do, man. Right. But you can use it with the jacket. So that's kind of smart. That's a great idea. Uh, it has six sensors, three gyros, three accelerometers. The computer looks a lot smaller. The back protector looks a lot smaller. Huh. And I think that, truthfully, I think that's the headline because the Alpine Star system, and I've got one right now that I'm I'm not too happy with. It's big and it's bulky and it's heavy. My Alpine, so I have a Alpine Stars Tech Air Revenant jacket, mm-hmm. and I have a Dainese. Uh, fuck, what's the name of the jacket? I remember when you got the Dainese Cyclone. I think it starts with an R as well. Rawr. I forget. It's another adventure jacket with mm-hmm. with the D air in it. The Alpine Stars is two pounds heavier, and the and it's physically bulkier, and it's really noticeable. The differences in the sizes of it's the like a lump on your back. So I like that Alpine Stars is as as I don't know if caught up is the right word, but they've they've shrunk their system down. And it looks a lot more compact. It looks a lot more like my D Air suit, which mm. has the new D Air uh, race airbag system, which was a lot smaller than its predecessor. So they're they're really figuring out. Both brands are really figuring out how to make things smaller and to make them more comfortable and make them easier and lighter. And that's that's what I really think is the big thing with the Tech Air 5. Um, and that fact that you can wear it under other garments is just like icing on the cake. But it's that's a smart move from Alpine Stars. It's going to be $700 uh, retail, which is the same as Dainese. And it'll be available in March 2020. So we only have about a month and a half to wait. Nice. Um, and the Dainese has been out for a few months now, but they had some production issues. It's really hard to find correct sizing. A lot of places that are supposed to have it don't have it. So both brands will be basically available around the same time, hopefully. This will be great news for you because you're losing all this weight. So all your textile jackets are going to be a little <laughs> bit too big on you. That's true. That's actually true. Uh, I, I'm keen to get my hands on both systems and play around with them because I'm all about the airbags. I yeah. don't care what brand you get. Just get it. You got to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw that in motion is kind of this third party that's coming in. They've got a uh, climb has uh, one of their branded vests. That technology looks interesting. I'd like to get my hands on that as well. Um, it doesn't quite look like it's the same level as Dainese or Alpine Stars, but still better than no airbag. I'll take it. Um, I'm into it. So I'm I'm all about the the exciting time we have in front of us here. I do love that it can be worn with pretty much any textile jacket. I mean that that most every person I know that rides has a textile jacket or two in their garage at this point. You just buy them, and if you find one on sale. And and I don't know how it is with you, Shaheen, but a lot of my textile jackets have like a zip-in liner mm-hmm. or some, fuck, some of them have two liners because yep. there's a waterproof one and then an insulating one. And if you remove those, like you do get, yeah, a, I would say it's close got, to if it's four got a centimeters of armor, you can remove the back protector because this is basically a back protector. That's true. It does have a built-in back protector. And they're yeah. saying it has, what is it, like 18, it's the equivalent of 18 back protectors. Wow. Which is a weird metric to use because, and I think the only reason they did it is because on Dainese, when the smart vest came out or the smart jacket came out, they were saying it was seven back protectors. <laughs> so I think they're trying to be like, look how many more back protectors it is. I and just like, love, the, is, I love is, the pissing contest in these companies. Yeah, why is this about, <laughs> how many hamsters does it fit? I, who cares? <laughs> they fit 12. We're going to fit 20. 
<laughs> I don't care about hamsters. This has the equivalent of three focaccias on your back. It's yeah. very, very comfortable yeah. and a little bit olive oily, but very good. Very good. <laughs> You're really going to enjoy it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a made of fresh. <laughs> uh, the pesto in this one is, you know, it's made in a mortar and pestle. This is no uh, blender pesto. Hey, Shaheen, what, what kind of protections your jacket have? Oh, three paninis. Yeah, you, got, you got a little baguette action sometimes, you know. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? It's got at least 17 <laughs> back protectors. <laughs> uh, All right, I expect to get hit in the back by a mallet swung by half Thor Bjornsson and not feel it, basically. Yeah. 17 back protectors. 18. 18. I'm sorry. And then a seven. Oh, that's where I got the seven. <laughs> lucky number seven over there. Yeah, lucky number seven. Um, so, that, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I guess I guess it makes sense because you could you could pull out a liner and then I think that makes the difference. Yeah, that'll, that'll give you that'll thing. give you. I mean, most of your C armor is about, yeah, it's about two centimeters. It's about this. Big. It's about it's, it's about yay big. You can't see it because it's a it's a radio show. Yeah. but we're doing a little little finger measurement a little here. Finger, you know, index the thumb. that looks that looks familiar. You know about how big that that distance looks yay familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's your one inch of fun, honey. <laughs> I make up for it with personality and crying afterwards. He does. He does cuddle and cry a little afterwards. Um, so yeah, that that to me was a bigger a bigger piece of news than than Damon because it's very real. The, yeah, this is actually uh, <laughs> it's, conceivable. it's very real and and will actually keep you safe. Whereas I'm not quite sure the uh, the radar system thing is going to do anything for you. It'll um it'll you know keep you away from buses and stuff maybe or or Portland um, um, crosswalkers that just walk. By the way, if you ever go out of Portland into another city and pull the same shit, you will get run over. You will get hit. Like we went to Chicago and my wife had to grab her by the back and yank her back. And I'm like, hey, they're going to hit you. They're actually aiming for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or just the idea that like pedestrians will sit on the curb and wait for like a break in traffic. Right. And not expect that like, oh, hey, even though this, this like intersection has a green light, I, if you try to decide to cross, I will still stop for you. Nope. Nonsense. Yep. Nope. You, you lose that fight when the 5,000 pound thing hits you. That's the thing. You sit there and they're like, well, I had right away. And I'm like, you're still going to be dead. Nate, yeah, it doesn't care. You, I mean, you'll be right. Physics you'll, is you, so against you. You will have right away, but you will be dead. So oh. it's only your estate that will benefit. Um, good luck with that in the snow. So just wear your air, airbag vest. It'll have 17 back protectors. 18. On. It, God damn it. You keep, st- you keep selling them short. <laughs> and that's what's going to keep us from getting advertising. on it. You'll be fine. You got to give them all their paninis. <laughs> Shoulder pads. We got mozzarella sticks. What do you want? Oh, uh, Jesus. I'm hungry. Oh, I'm hungry too. I haven't eaten yet. That's the other key to losing weight. Just don't eat. Just don't eat. Just simply don't eat. My that mom. Actually, <laughs> that's the best suggestion for a diet. Just stop eating. My mom sent me a book about intermittent fasting, which just in its own little nexus of things is ridiculous. <laughs> like, like, mom, really? Like, you literally sent me a book about dieting. Like, really? <laughs> can, can you just... I just imagine mom would be calling you, Jensen. I've learned something new about you losing weight. What is it? Stop eating. You know, just that like, you look fat. Let me get you a thing. Like just that stereotypical, like, like overbearing. The opposite way. You look like you're withering away, honey. It's, Let both, me get it's, you. it's just whatever way they can worry about you. <laughs> just whatever way you can worry. Like that's what she she's got that down. And I'm just like, really? But you look at it and I'm like, intermittent fasting. You don't. It, it's a. It's not a thick book, but there's maybe a hundred pages. I'm like how how many pages do you need to write about if you don't eat you'll lose weight? It just repeats it over and over again. I'm like if you starve yourself, <laughs> you will lose weight. Like yeah, no shit, Sherlock. 
The problem it's is, a, is I'm hungry. It's literally 100 pages of it just repeating. If you don't eat, you'll lose weight. Yeah. If you don't eat, you'll lose weight. And then every so often, there's a picture of like a chubby guy and a slightly less chubby guy. This guy didn't eat and he lost weight. If you don't eat, you'll lose weight. You have lost a pound by reading this 100 pages. Congratulations. Yeah. Now repeat. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Oh, jeez. <laughs> my uh, mom's opposite. My mom will always tell me I look fat. That's just my mom's thing. She's a chiropractor and a nutritionist. So every time she sees me, she's like, have you been eating a lot? I'm like, damn, mom. I miss you too. Yeah, I did. I'm living my best life. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm an adult now. Like I just saw her for Christmas and I came back. And luckily she's like, you look really good. You've lost some weight. I'm like, I'm wearing black. I think that's the trick. I'll just wear black around you all the time. You know, I, I was thinking about it because it's a lot of work to get, you know, super chiseled cut, yeah. beefcake, whatever. And and if you're into it, you're into it and good for you. Yep. Like it almost, your it, almost, it almost goes into your recreation. Mm. But there is a trade-off of at the end of your end of your road, you're on your deathbed, and you think back to it like, are you going to be like, oh, I'm so glad. Give me the most chiseled old man. I had all those gym photos of me lifting up my shirt with my six-pack. <laughs> that made me happy. Or you're going to look back like, man, I had some really good food. You know, I ate at this restaurant, and I've had I've had a $100 steak, and I did this, and I had the 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 – lifetime of enjoyment that you had with really good food and not being hungry yeah is that going to outweigh the gym selfies L- or not because i think it is if I, you, I'm, I'm of the I, opinion I think you will too and here's how i know it anytime a friend or someone i know talks about how well they did at the gym and they pr'd and did this and did the most amount of weights almost everybody around them is like neat hey what's that over there and they just like talk about something different if i talk about cool. i went to a restaurant cool and ate something, story, bro exactly but you talk about like i went to a restaurant and they had the best steak or like i had the most interesting conversation with so-and-so over like this amazing risotto they're like where tell me more about this fucking food i want it this is a great preview into the not about motorcycles podcast by the way it is um i agree with you and i think the reason why that is the case is because when let's say i talk about my crossfit workout right that's not something that you can externalize as like shaheen listening like oh yeah no that makes me want to go do the crossfit workout and and experience that too oh, it sounds god awful whereas if you say it about food like oh i had this really amazing dinner at le, le pigeon in portland right and it was amazing the risotto it was it was breathtaking you go oh all i got to do is book a reservation and I can have that too. Like that's yeah. an experience. That's an experience I can go immediately have myself. And I can share it with others if I want to. The without- workout thing, like, oh well, you bench two hundred pounds. Like, well, I'm, I'm, it's going to take me like six years before I can bench two hundred pounds. So that's an experience I can't relate to. I think that's it. It's just one sounds painful and one sounds delicious. Which one do you want? Well, one, yeah. Well, I was going to say one's hedonistic and the other one isn't, but they they both <laughs> are, but in different ways. Right. You're getting you're getting your endorphins and your dopamines right. and and things from different <laughs> actions. At the end of the day, it's like whatever makes you happy. Yeah, I've done the gym rat thing. I've been there. Um, you know, like you get you get pumped, you feel good, you got endorphins in your body, you feel strong, you feel healthy, you feel good and clean, and you feel like you deserve that croissant you, that's about to happen. Yeah, you can take on the world, and like I get that, I, I I totally understand it. And I gotta also look at it and be like, I like carbs. Yeah, you know what I really? Because I had I had a, I truthfully I had a Mountain Dew yesterday, and I was drinking it, and I was like, you know what? I just really like Mountain Dew. I like the carbonation. 
I like the cold with the ice. I get it in a chilled mug. You can feel the fizzing in your mouth. I like the sweet taste that it has. I like sweet things. My palate in my mouth is very sweet. I don't like bitters. Uh, I had I had a really expensive pasta the other day, and they used buckwheat pasta. I fucking hated it. I had I was like, this is the worst restaurant I've been to in Portland, and it was one hundred percent because like because my food was really had like a really bitter aftertaste. I was like, I was like, I really don't like bitters. And uh, the person I was with was like, no, that that pasta was really good. I'm like, but you like bitter things. Like I just I like sweets. I was like, you know what? I really like Mountain Dew. I have yet to uh, hear you say no when I invite you over for food. Uh, yeah, it will never happen. Unless never. I, I, it would have to be like, oh no, I got a, I got a, actually, I got a soldier, a shoulder surgery. Uh, I'm gonna be unconscious. That's why I can't come over for food. But can you bring me the food and just shove it in my mouth so when I wake up, I have the taste in my mouth? Can you, can you cram it into my IV? You can you get like one of those turkey baster things that's like a giant plunger and right. just shoot it into my veins? I like that we did New Year's Eve as a Taco Tuesday because it that fell on good. a Tuesday. That was really good. Even Anne was like, "What do you want to do?" I'm like, "Babe, it's Tuesday." That was a good way taco to start Tuesday. the new year. Like, and you make good tacos. Oh man, I love tacos. I tried to make sofritas the other day. Ooh, I got to figure out my sauce on that. Okay, uh, it's a little. Tofu's weird. I don't. I, I. I. I've probably cooked tofu twice in my life now. It's just a it's weird. Two more times than I've ever cooked. Yeah, it. it's a weird thing to to cook with, but it, it wasn't too bad. The secret: mix it in with some ground beef. <laughs> <laughs> the secret to good tofu is meat. <laughs> the secret to the good tofu is you mix it in with meat, so you, you don't, don't realize anything you're else tofu. today at at uh, Brap Talk. <laughs> just know that the secret to good tofu is beef. <laughs> I could totally be vegan if I could still eat meat. <laughs> just, uh, just get it into it for the social snubbery, really, yeah. the, 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 the snootiness. I could totally, I could do that. I could be super snooty. I'm going to take you to a no vegan problem. restaurant. Mm, this sounds really good. Does it come with any meat? Uh, where Can was I, I get some meat? Uh, I had to buy a bunch of vegetarian stuff the other day. and <laughs> Actually, scrap that story. Better story. Um, I was dating a Jewish girl a couple years ago. Right, you met her. I met um, her, and, and we we're trying to. It was coming up on Passover, and we we're trying to figure out what we we're gonna do for Passover because she's more like culturally Jewish than like religious Jewish. But, oh, okay, you know, still wanted to like celebrate Passover. We're gonna get some some Jewish people together and have Passover. So I'm trying to find food for it, and I'm in New Seasons, which is like our little hoity-toity. It's not like a Whole Foods, but it's like Portland's version of Whole it's Foods. It's like Whole Foods, but we're better than you Whole Foods. It's super. Um, very organic everything's organic that's the way more polite word than i was going to use i'm trying to be polite we're in portland <laughs> <laughs> it's very portland and they go like oh because they have like a not like a to-go counter but they have like a pre-made food counter and they're like oh passover dinner available thirty dollars whatever and it's like roast beef and da 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 like a bunch of different things and i'm looking at them like i don't think this is kosher so i asked him like hey is this Passover dinner kosher and he goes well I don't know let me ask my boss and then gets the boss and I'm like yeah I'm like hey like I'm interested in this Passover dinner I gotta have some some kosher people over uh is is the food kosher I, I noticed you have uh roast beef on it roast you know, most meats by definitely uh, like you can't just go to a deli and get kosher meat like it has to be kosher food meat and sorry in kosher law Meat has to be prepared in a specific way by a specific person right. in, in a specific kitchen to be considered kosher, to be certified kosher. So generally, eating kosher means eating vegetarian or pescatarian. 
So I'm sitting there looking at this menu. I'm like, okay, there's there's beef on it. I'm like, so tell me about this kosher beef. I was like, well, I don't know if it's kosher. We used kosher salt on it. He's like, I don't know if it's kosher source. Like it was slaughtered. It has to be slaughtered in a certain way. Yeah. Um, we make it here and our kitchen's not kosher. We don't have a kosher kitchen. So I'm like, so you're selling the kosher, the, the Passover meal that the only people who can eat the Passover meal are going to be Jews because no one else is celebrating Passover. But the food isn't kosher, which is a requirement for the Jewish faith. They should have put it on there. Uh, just the Passover meal for the non-Jewish member for, of your family. Uh, just in there like, 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 who do you think's buying this? <clears throat> See, back to marketing. Yeah, you just can't trust them. You just put the words up there and people come to you. You got to think critically. You got to think critically. Is this motorcycle kosher? Ooh. Interesting. No. No. <laughs> Not even <laughs> the a little. The answer is no. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No idea how we got down this tangent. Speaking of non-kosher motorcycles, there's a thing that you wanted to talk about that I looked at and it just, I, I shake my head at this thing every time I see it. It's not a motorcycle. It's an auto car. It's sir. an auto car cycle three. It's a. I'm very, I am very happy about this Are for you? purely selfish reasons. Okay. Because, uh, so we're talking about the new slingshot. Polaris is going to come out with an updated version of the slingshot. And my story, we broke a little news, got a little Bothan spy tip that it would have a automatic transmission. Great. Today they drop a teaser showing the automatic transmission. I feel vindicated. Huzzah. Good job. That's Bravo. just, that's a little ego pat on my back. I know it's a little braggy McBraggerson, but that's the kind of things that keeps gets me through the day. Jensen's not the type to say I told you so, but I told you so. But I told you so. <laughs> I'm totally the type to say I told you so. Are you kidding me? I live off I told that's you your favorite. so. It's Jensen I told you so, Beeler. Someone asked me the other day, like, would you rather be happy or right? And I was like, right. Didn't even think. <laughs> I, 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 happiness. Jensen, that's not how it works. My happiness wife would say is transient, but, be, but knowing that I was right will keep me warm at night. Are you kidding me? Mm, he just gonna, cuddle, He just cozies up to I told you so. This is why I'm going to die alone. <laughs> um it i i have grown increasingly sour on the polaris slingshot mostly because of polaris's actions to get the slingshot categorized as an auto car which i understand their motivation because it's It'll not sell a, more it's not a motorcycle no but you have to wear a helmet to drive the but thing. you have to wear it which i think you should i come mm. at it from the other end i come from the automobile side where it looks like a car drives like a car should crash like a car right but because it's a auto cycle or a motorcycle in some jurisdictions it doesn't have to meet all these safety standards it doesn't have to have airbags it doesn't have to have uh i don't does it have abs brakes probably mm, does i don't I know it but it doesn't have impact zones it doesn't go through crash testing like cars do there is some issues with it being inherently unstable as a three-wheeled vehicle there's some crazy videos from like the early testing days of people getting hurt. Um, I'm always a little wary about what the roll bar protection looks like on that, uh, especially since I'm a taller torso guy. Yeah. My head's a little bit taller than the uh, the crash bar thing. Um, I remember actually when we were on the press launch, they gave me the the car <laughs> that had a their new like kind of T-top roof on it. And that, first of all, the roof was made out of fiberglass. And you're just looking at that and you're like, that is protecting you from nothing. It just protects you from UV rays and rain, maybe. Basically, from the weather. You're correct. And two, uh, I had to slouch because I was, with my helmet, I was too tall for it. Jesus. And so you're sitting there going like, well, you guys didn't, clearly didn't figure that part out. Um, but they are going around state by state and basically buying their way through the state legislatures to make these law changes. 
And I really don't think it's at the the benefit of the consumer because you're basically creating a segment of vehicles that are basically cars that are nowhere near as safe as a car. Yep. And at that point, it's like, well, then why do we have safety standards? Because if like I'm Miata, I'm I'm sorry, I'm Mazda, and I'm selling a Miata, you're like, oh, you know how we can take like I don't know, ten grand off the cost of this car? Just call it an auto car. Now it's an auto car. Yeah. But we're gonna we're not gonna change anything. It's just an auto car. We're just gonna take all the fucking just airbags do out. The safety crash tests anymore. Yeah, we're just gonna fucking all that other stuff. We're just gonna get rid of all that, and we're just we're just gonna sell the same vehicle just with way less safety features. Yes. And the consumer is not really gonna know the difference. Because the, that's one of those things where government's actually like a thing you need, like, you know, because companies will do shoot stupid shit because companies lie about their range and their battery marketing. power. <laughs> um, you know, you need someone there to be like, nah, 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 nah. and I just, mm, I just have a really hard time with that concept of, I'm going to sell you a car that's nowhere near as safe as a car. Yeah. And it really is a car. It really, really is. And, and what kills me I do think we need to have an auto cycle category because I do think there's something between a car and a motorcycle that can exist. And and that same idea of transportation isn't just, is it a motorcycle, a car, or a truck? Or a bicycle? But why do you think we need that? Why do do we need something something in the middle? Just because transportation's growing outside of these like very stringent segments. Hmm. That idea of like, like, like the electric moped bicycle thing. Not quite a bicycle, not quite a motorcycle. It's kind of something in between. You know, like we're 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 filling the cracks. I can kind of understand, like, hey, you want a a single person people mover, right? That isn't the size of a car and gets a hundred miles to the gallon, or maybe not a hundred, but sixty, a lot, a lot of miles to the gallon. Right. But you don't want to be on a motorcycle. You want something a little bit with a little bit more metal around you. That's an auto car. And that's that could be a slingshot. See, to me, it needs to be narrow. To it be needs able to be to, more narrow, right? And, that, and that's where I think like an auto car. What was that company? They had a two wheel version, and it had like little outriggers that would come out when you slow down. But it was basically a two person long narrow thing. That company, um, oh, blanking on the name, but it went. That design got passed through like seven different companies. I remember watching a show in the '90s called Beyond Two Thousand, uh-huh. and they showed that thing on there. And that thing, it's called the Mono Tracer. And it leaned like a motorcycle. I think when it came out, it was called the Mono Tracer. Huh. And now I don't even know what it's called anymore. But it's a fully enclosed motorcycle. Yeah. Um, I'm into that. With wheels in line with each other. Yep. Uh, Yeah, it was a really interesting concept. And so, what's the Lit? L-I-T? They they had a couple, they had a vehicle for a while. That was kind of like in that space, but there there is room in the market for a sub sub compact type car that has a motorcycle esqueness to it. Yeah, I mean, to me, the whole idea is is you know more efficiency and taking up less space. You know, like like even a uh, any car really when it's taking up that much physical space. You know, it's wide enough to fill in an entire lane, but it only has one passenger in it. That that's just a waste of space. That's that's the thing for me. I think I think the auto car definition needs to have a maximum width that right. is, let's say, thirty six inches or something like that. Right, you can fit two basically. But next a Polaris to slingshot is a full size width car. Dude, I think it's wider than a Miata. Every it, time I go near one, it's so wide to be stable. Let's find out. The internet has the answer to this. And uh, I keep going back to the Miata when I look at this Polaris. Like price wise, what what is compelling somebody to buy that over a Miata? And you know where you see a lot of these fucking things? Florida. 
Florida. To, to be, I saw so many when I was there. To be fair. To be fair. Ding, 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 ding. Drink. <laughs> I, uh, we had a asphalt and rubber reader here in Portland who had a slingshot and offered to get, take me for a ride in it. Hmm. And after I did that, I 100% understand why you buy a slingshot instead of a Miata. Really? And it has 100% to do with how many people fucking stare at you when you when you drive down the street. Because you're like, everyone's like, whoa, fucking Batmobile, right yeah. on. That's cool. So no one says cool that factor? when you drive by your Miata. I think no. it's totally a cool factor. Look at me factor. You know, just like, I'm cool. So you buy in a slingshot to get recognition. You buy a Miata to have a good time. Like yeah. Miata, nobody ever looks at a Miata and goes, cool, other yeah, than Miata drivers. No one's, yeah, no one, you're not going to drive, you're not going to cruise down your strip and like see some like thumbs up your Miata. Be like, no. hey, bro. No, they usually point at you and laugh a little bit. Zoom, zoom. But whoever's driving it is having the best time of their lives. I've yet to meet someone with a Miata who hasn't said, including I've, I've driven several, and I think it's one of the most fun cars ever. Correct. Uh, whereas I feel like the slingshots, I don't think it's probably that great to ride, but I have to ride one to maybe drive one, ride one, drive. It's got a steering wheel. Drive one. To see what it's like. This just isn't going to happen. Finding out the, the specifications on my phone. <laughs> Forget about it. Forget about it. But it, I think you're right. If if it's not wider, it's very close. Right. Because driving that slingshot, it takes up a full lane. It's like a car. It's 100% like a car. Uh, and you got, you're got driving. I'm, I'm working a stick shift. And it's cheaper than that handmade thing that was out like in the early 2000s. The, the T-Rex. The, the T-Rex was an interesting thing. It was like a ZX-12 motor, basically. Yeah. Oh, Hayabusa motor. It went through several iterations as well. Some kind of a large inline-four motorcycle motor. And now it's owned by someone else. Those things were spendy. The fucking slingshot spendy, too. That's the the thing where, like, you're paying automobile prices. No, but those T-Rexes were, like, pushing $50,000, $60,000, $70,000. Some of them were, yeah. Um I just remember that it was in, it was in like Biker Boys or one God. of those movies, and someone's like, they're like trying to like do like like, like the the showboating thing, people doing wheelies and burnouts, and you just see this T Rex in the background. It's doing burnouts. It's just doing a donut. Yeah, that's all I can do. It's like that's all I got. I saw one in Daytona Bike Week, like early two thousand. I don't know, two thousand five, two thousand six, and it had like. <laughs> They had put an extension swing arm with a super big wide tire in the back. And I was like, this is only in Florida. Are you going to see a candy apple green and gold T-Rex with a crazy sound system? But it's like four feet longer than all the other T-Rexes. And the rear tire looks like it belongs in a Dodge Viper. Just. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason they didn't sell a lot of those. <laughs> I can't I'm, I'm imagine how many slingshots have been sold, actually. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, the numbers must be all right. Tens of thousands. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Very, especially in the beginning. But one of the things that they were doing was if you wanted to become an Indian dealer. You had to uh, do that. Early, like this is before like basically the launch of Indian motorcycles. Right. If you wanted to be an Indian dealer, you had to take on Slingshot as well. So you were basically a Polaris dealer. You didn't have to, to sell Polaris. You didn't have to sell like side-by-sides. Oh, just and all specifically the other that model? Just Slingshot. Wow. Um, so that helps when you have like a minimum order of like three cars or whatever that's going to move some units it takes up so much space in the dealership i mean the dealership up that's in vancouver uh, washington polaris wanted to give me a slingshot to use for a while and i was like I put it i was like as, as i was like i would literally have to park my my Your car truck? outside yeah i'm like i don't want to do that <laughs> especially when you have a convertible vehicle like i can't park the slingshot outside oh god no fucking rain's gonna get yeah. in it i'm gonna come out there and there's gonna be like four homeless people like starting to come a commune <laughs> 
And just like, no, I just can't. Guys, why do you have a fire in the middle of the thing? <laughs> Those seats are going to melt. I told you this. <sighs> They're just made out of Is plastic. Is the interior waterproof? Uh, I don't know if it's waterproof. It looks water robust. <laughs> like it, water it's not robust. a nice interior. That's the thing. It, it's it got the same interior as like a ranch side by side. <laughs> you know, where it's just, I bet, I, I don't know if you can do this. But they should make it so you can because it'd be great marketing. They should make it so you can just wash, spray it down with a hose to wash yeah. it. Like the Honda Element. Yeah, like a Jeep Wrangler or a Honda. Yeah, I don't you know just, you oh, yeah, you just get your pressure washer out and you're, just, just, you're good to go. Yeah, but that, then, see, now it would be interesting if they made an adventure version that was lifted and you can go like. Like the Adventure Cooter. Adventure Cooter. <laughs> I'm excited about the Adventure Cooter. I am also Adventure Cooter. I Because mostly I'm just really excited for the marketing on that. Oh, dude, take your cooter off road. <laughs> Get your cooter dirty. Your cooter can handle some mud. <laughs> no, we'll let you guys as listeners and girls know when we're done talking about the cooter. Probably never. We'll never be done talking about the cooter. <laughs> never, ever, ever. Even if cooter goes out of business, and let's be fair, the cooter don't quit. No, we'll never. still talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. an adventure cooter. Adventure cooter. Take your cooter anywhere. <sighs> No words. Right about now, I can see Steve Camrad putting this on his Instagram saying, and this is where Brab Talk took a dive south. <laughs> and that's where I turned off the show. <laughs> oh, no, he turns it up at this point. <laughs> Crank it up to 11, Steve. Um, bu- 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 I got one more thing to talk about. Oh, and I, I really only did this to like end on a positive note. Oh, okay. I like it. Um, Because I thought we were going to get way shittier about the slingshot than we did. I think we just got more fun with the slingshot. I mean, you got to. It's still a... A motor car cycle thing. It is fun to drive. It's like, funny. Like if you just approach it as a car, it is fun to drive. I bet you could drift in it pretty well. You can drift in it really well. Like, um, are there any listeners out there who have one with a turbocharger strapped to the back of it? Well, that's the thing because it uses that that EcoBoost engine, right? So there's so many modifications already out there. I, I, truthfully, I think that's one of the smarter things Polaris did was using a motor that is so prevalent and with Ford. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, there's a whole tuner thing. Like you're going to, and the parts to do that are going to be so cheap because they're car parts. Yeah. Car parts are so much cheaper than car parts, bike parts. Um, I just, yeah, I mean, Polaris build quality is a little spotty sometimes. And like, but, I, you know, I, I, I have a hard time justifying spending. What is it? Like $25,000. Your $20, slingshot $20, breaks down on the side of the road. Someone will stop because it's still a slingshot and people are going to go, what the fuck is that? Hey, Are Batman. you from the future? Batman, do you need me to help you get somewhere? No, yeah. thanks, Robin. I'll just pull this cooter out of my passenger seat. and No no problem. I have my adventure cooter. <laughs> my adventure cooter will get me my, my slingshot can't. <gasps> you buy a slingshot and you put a, a rack in the front with your cooter on it so your cooter can ride up front. And then if and when it breaks think, down. How much you, is your cooter going to weigh? Uh, you know, I don't think you thought my cooter thing. makes my slingshot a little nose heavy. You want to put it on the back. You need to get that traction but, on that one tire. But the motor's back there. Where do you put it? No, no, no. The motor's in the front. What? I always thought slingshots are rear-wheel drive, or rear engine. Ah. See, I know nothing about this thing. I am yeah. so disinterested that I know nothing about it. No, no, no. Now I want to go ride one. It's ride got one. the motor under the hood, just like in a car. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Put the cooter in the back. Oh, nobody puts cooter in the back. <laughs> oh, man. We are so close to being a completely different show. <laughs> cooter in the back. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I need whiskey. If this was Archer, that would be a butt cooter. <laughs> Are we phrasing? 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 We're not doing phrasing? Um, no, I was going to try and finish on a positive note, and I wanted to talk about the Kawasaki Ninja ZX25R. The little ninja that could. With its 
thousand RPM red line that no American will ever get to experience unless they go to Europe. I don't even know if they're going to get it in Europe. Come on, I really just don't know. I would say I would say Europe is fifty fifty, and I'd say U.S. is twenty five seventy five against. What do you think are the odds of them bringing that bike here just as like a race cup bike, just a non? Uh, like remember when the Aprilia for a hot minute had the the two fifty the RS two fifty cup bike? Yeah, that was. Uh, I don't think there's a cup to cup it in. To cup it, cup it, cup it. But what if it created a cupage? The problem is we have the Ninja four hundred, and my instincts tell me that the ZX twenty five R, which is weird that we don't have specs on it yet, really will be similar in specifications to the Ninja 400 mm. and cost about the same, mm. if not maybe a little more I bet by a the time it gets here. Um, so it's like, okay, why? Mm-hmm. Like other than a high revving, you know, twin cylinder thing would just be rad. Or sorry, not twin cylinder, four cylinder would be rad. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. But... I want to hear what that thing sounds like just wound up. You can. They've, they've got a, a teaser video of it, of it going through the gears. All right. Yeah, that's what caused that that story, actually. You know who would buy that bike, I think, is like people who have been racing or own older like Suzuki 250. Oh, yeah. Those gray market two-stroke, bikes? Two-stroke, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's, there's not that many of those people are running around, but they're salivating just thinking about this four-stroke you know, potentially cleaner burning motor that revs up to the same stratospheric red line that they're used to. This is what I like about Kawasaki right now because Kawasaki's taking the bikes that, if I said Shaheen, a Japanese brand, is thinking of making a supercharged 300-horsepower track bike. You'd be like, nah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's not can't be right. That's crazy talk. Kawasaki's like, hold my sake and watch. Yeah, and then they're like, hey, Shaheen, I I heard a, brand, a Japanese brand is going to make a... 17,000 RPM four-cylinder engine that's only 250 cc's. What? No, that's crazy. You're talking crazy. There's no way they're going to do that. (laughs) And this is Kawasaki's just like, let's just make fucking crazy shit. Fuck it, we're here. We got the machining. Let's just build something. We don't know if it's going to sell. We don't know if it's going to be a thing, but it's crazy. (laughs) And we're the crazy company. We're we're that green company, y'all. So I, I like that because like Suzuki is the exact opposite. It's like, okay, how can we make you buy a DRZ? Oof. We've got this 996 motor since 1995. We need to keep building shit off of it for a while. As many platforms as, as possible. As many platforms as possible. Uh, I just love, like, like there is still a carbureted DRZ in the line. Like, it has, in 20 years, not been updated. That is this, like, when I got into the motorcycle industry, to this point now, in 2020... That bike hasn't changed. That's just unbelievable. It's the same bike. That thing's the Toyota Tacoma of motorcycles. It just doesn't change ever. The only other thing I can think of that's like that is the CRF 650L. Like that bike has not changed no. in an eternity. No. And you just sit there and you're like, the problem, the, the difference between the CRF and the DRZ is the CRF is in a lineup that actually has changed. Whereas the DRZ, you just look at Suzuki and it's like, okay, so what bikes, what bikes are different? But that's like a total polar opposite to what. Uh, oh, Cody's getting in your bed. Uh, oh, What's up, girl? What are you Traitor. doing? She's getting in your lap right that's now. Right. She's just like, this feels warm. This, is, this is warm. This is human. The big one heat. might feed me. The, the, the slightly smaller one didn't feed me, but the big one might feed me. He was talking about food. He likes food. He clearly look at him. She's, she's, she's 
She's just super snugged on you. Just boom. She fits. Traitor. Yeah. That's yeah. how it works. Um, I'm going to get bit any second now, but yeah, I'm careful with that. She's got, eh, she, she looks kind of sleepy. I breathe oh so gently when she's on me. Like, she's got okay. a little sleepy eye going on. How do I not frighten this animal? Uh, yeah. <sighs> so it's I a just positive like the cow like the crazy uncle. It is. They are the crazy uncle. They don't mind drinking a little extra sake at dinner. Yeah. They get crazy with it. And I think that's, that's what the Japanese brands kind of need. Like, Yamaha and Honda kind of rest in between those two extremes of Kawasaki and Suzuki. And I think that's part of why the Japanese brands are a little bland sometimes. You're sitting there just like, wow, spice it up a little bit. It just occurred to me that Kawasaki makes the vehicle that's named after like a old dark knight assassin, the ninja. Mm -hmm. And then Suzuki made a vehicle that was named after a noble warrior, the samurai. Were they meant to go head to head? But they just went completely opposite directions. Hmm. It's like a yin yang. Yeah. Duality of man. One can go really fast. The other one flips over if you turn too quickly. One's going out of business. The other still around. Still around. Making bullet trains. Actually, that's really where I think Kawasaki's. That's oh how they're staying gosh. in business. Motorcycles they're are heavy industry. Rounding air for Kawasaki. Yeah. Like just like, around. Yeah. They make the crankshafts to cruise ships. Yeah. Like, yeah, fuck it. Let's make a 250 that revs up to 17,000. <laughs> Those things are insane. The only reason they didn't do 20,000 is because the metal can't handle it. <laughs> Kawasaki makes a lot of earth moving equipment. Yeah. Um, Kawasaki's business models. I mean, it's literally, it's Kawasaki heavy indus- industries. Motorcycles. Motorcycles is basically, I think, in the in KHI, I think K Kawasaki Motors is nothing. Is literally just the marketing department. Yeah. They're just like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, that comes out of our marketing budget. That whole business, that yeah. whole motorcycling, that's that's just to, like, get our name out there so we can keep selling 200-liter diesel engines. Like, one of those engines makes what their motor company makes. Oh, my gosh. In the entire year. <laughs> that's but, I, but that's cool, though, that they have that kind of backing. Like, that's what I always like about Subaru. Subaru, you know, the, the Fuji Heavy Industries makes ships and shit. And they also make some cool cars on yeah. the side. Yeah. And Subaru's gotten a lot better over time. Oh, yeah. Way better. Uh, I've been driving uh, a Crosstrek a little bit lately. And that's a decent car. Not a great car. Not a great car. But it'll get you there. But, but decent time. car. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's not bad. We got the Forester. We got the Crosstrek's yeah. older sister. So, yeah. The sibling. Uh, it's like Hondas. Hondas have gotten way better over time. Kias are starting to get really good. Dude. Uh, Kia drivers still horrible. Oh yeah, they're still, still cute. especially horrible. the ones that bought the new Stinger, the fifty thousand dollar <sighs> Kia. Cool car, but way to ruin it for us. You're basically an STI driver. Like I love Subarus, but goddamn it, STI drivers, stop vaping. <laughs> I want to know what it is about Subaru drivers that they're so bad at driving. You're a Subaru driver. Tell me. I yell at them all the time. Enlighten me about your people. I don't know people. why. Listen, I've rented like like Can a you sit them Toyota down Priuses and, and I drive fast, normal. They, they go places. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know why a lot of these drivers get in their vehicle and they're like, this is where I start sucking. There's something about this brand that attracts people that don't know how to operate a motor vehicle. I mean, like BMW drivers don't know how to use turn signals. BMW drivers are just rich dicks. That's the stereotype, right? Subaru drivers are like Audi drivers that can't afford Audis usually. Or don't want to pay money on an Audi. Is that this? I mean, they're all all-wheel drive. They all cost... The most expensive Subaru on the road right now is like barely 40 grand. 
No, it's a little more than that because the STI is more than that. But like I don't the see it that super. way. I don't see. I don't see any Venn diagram overlap between Audi drivers and Subaru drivers. My mom's an Audi driver. Oh, I don't think my mom's like the typical. Yeah, your mom. Driver. Your mom doesn't drive a typical Audi <laughs> my mom's either. Having a really late midlife crisis. Yeah. she's got the TT. She's got a TT. That's oh not an God. Audi. Audi's like an A4. <laughs> it's so impractical. It's a fun car, but it's so. Your mom drives a, a Volkswagen Beetle on steroids. She does. She does. Her first car, Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, see? Does the TT come Parts with a little TT vase? Right next to the Beetle. We still have the Beetle. Oh. They're parked right next to each other in the garage. <laughs> I still want to do a road trip on that Beetle with you. By road trip, I mean, we don't go more than 20 miles in that car. That's a road trip. That's, that, that's adventure in that car. That car is not a highway car. We'll do 25 miles to keep it real exciting. I remember driving that car before the carburetor got cleaned out. It wouldn't do 55 up to the Caldecott Tunnel. <laughs> you do like 40 so you got like you would get up to speed you get on the freeway it's not a car you should drive 65 oh god but you would go 65 up the hill like starting there's like a downhill and then it starts the uphill so you get up to 65 on the downhill so at the top of the hill you're not doing 35 oh god and if you get stuck in traffic if someone cuts you off you're done like you will end up doing 35 in the right hand lane and just praying to god you don't get hit my car was a death trap I drove that in. Uh, what in does it feel like going sixty? Like everything rattles, the doors come off the hinge. Uh, imagine driving a go kart <laughs> at sixty-five miles an hour, where that like just that mm, ten degrees on the steering Ooh. wheel can really mean a lot. Like a death roll but, of the thing. But there's about seven degrees of play oh. on the steering wheel. You got to know the. So like you're really only playing with like three degrees. Oh god. <laughs> That sounds really, really good. So, uh, yeah, it's a fun car, but it's it's an around town car for sure, and it's convertible, so it's a sunny day car. Oh, so it's a California car. It's a California car, totally. Me. That's why it's not up here. Yeah, that and I have no space for it. Do you have any uh, any motorcycle plans coming up? Uh, well, I am the uh, guest judge for the Portland Motorcycle Film Festival, nice. as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. So that's coming up soon. In a couple days, we will do our awards banquet for Omra. Uh, I'm excited to do that and talk racing with race people because I want to go racing. I'm ready to go racing. My race bike is ready. I'm ready. The itch, the itch is coming back. Like where's it's like I'm a junkie. Where's my fix, man? I need my track, man. Give me some track. Give me some. Give me some track time, man. Uh, there is a chance. I have to look into this. There is a chance I will go to Laguna Seca in February and race with Arma. What? Uh, they're doing a round down there. Uh. Ari Henning and Zach Quartz and Troy Siahan will wow, be there. Some fast dudes. So they're, they're they're like Jensen, you should come out so we can beat you. I'm like yeah, that'd be great for your ego. <clears throat> <laughs> you got to bring someone slower than you. You want me to come along? Yeah, no, I'll die out there. Yeah. You need someone that actually is competent. But there's a there's a few there'll be a few Kramers there. Uh, another one of my Kramer buddies, Yuri, was like, you got to come down for it. And I think. Joe from Kramer uh, USA is going to come out there and help support nice. all of them. So there's a possibility now that my schedule's changed. Um, might go on a tire launch with Metzler, but we have a date conflict. We got to figure that out. Uh, that'd be in Spain. And uh, yeah, mostly just getting through the snowstorm. Um, working on the bike, getting it ready, get my sponsorship lined up for nice. the 2020 season. Nice. If anybody's uh, listening, they want to sponsor. Got some opportunities. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, Alpine Stars is going to make me a custom kangaroo suit to, to wear for racing. Nice. So they're they're helping me out this year. Um, the good friends at Moto Corsa are going to help uh, keep me away from the wrenches. Tight. Which is very good. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Kramer is going to help me out. So yeah, we got some good people lined up. Still got to figure out a couple other things, but bike's going to be good. I'm really... Do you have any tricks up your sleeve for the motorcycle, for the Kramer? Uh, the, the only thing is I, I'm going to do a story about fuel. Now, I've had this. You use my guest bathroom sometimes. Mm-hmm. If you open up the shower curtain, there's two giant bottles of fuel. Yeah, your guest bathroom <laughs> smells real strong. <laughs> and it's not because of me for once. Yeah. Uh, because one of the fuels is very reactive to sunlight, and I don't have a fully opaque uh, can for it. Somehow it's not reactive to methane. I'm really gra- grateful for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, But no, I'm going to do a story on fuel, and that's going to take require me taking the Kramer down to... Uh, our local dyno guy and we're going to run a bunch of different fuels through it and see what kind of power it makes mm. and that'll help determine what fuel i'm going to run for next year i kind of have an idea there's like three fuels that i'm considering running for next year three brands or three three two brands octanes. three fuels okay and i'm just very curious to see price per, per performance and also because one of the two of the fuels are very similar from different brands and i'm very curious to see One's trackside available, and the other one I'd have to buy, like, and have it shipped to me. Oh wow! So I'd very much prefer the one that's available trackside. Yeah. But so I'm kind of curious to see, like, okay, what's my trade off? If that means two or three horsepower, I don't know. Have so, you done the average on on the Kramer on fuel consumption during a during a race day? Um, I don't know it to a T, but uh, my fueling strategy is to put a gallon in per for an eight lap race. A gallon per eight. All right. I wouldn't say it's, it doesn't use all eight gallons. That's, or sorry, it doesn't use all the whole gallon for those eight laps, but that also includes the out lap and, and the, the in lap. Uh, so it's really more like 10 laps. And then if there's a restart, you have to have a little extra. Right. What I'm trying to say. Um, so you're a little over 20 miles a gallon at that pace. So is it? Yeah, I think isn't isn't uh PIR is PIR. like two miles. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. About twenty miles. Hmm. It's probably closer good. to twenty five. That's really good. Because again, because I'm not using that whole gallon. Yeah. Uh, Dang, I think that's really efficient. I'm thinking of my triple nine. I did the math on that, and I'm like, twelve. It's, it's just a six ninety engine. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you can only put so much fuel in the combustion chamber. Yeah, that's true. Um. So, I mean, I'm not really concerned with miles per gallon, Gene. That's not really a metric. That's like the eight baguettes. Well, I'm, 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 the only reason I ask is, like, would that help you figure out how many gallons of that non-trackside fuel you'd have to buy to last you a race weekend? Ah, yes. No, I do know. Ooh, excuse me. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, that was a good one. You know, I don't yawn when other people yawn, and my wife says because I'm a sociopath. There is some research that suggests we yawn when other people yawn because of uh, connection to them. Yeah. So she is not incorrect. <laughs> I don't. I, I just very rare for me to yawn when somebody else yawns. That means you and I do not have a good relationship. <laughs> no, it's not. We should it's probably, everyone. We should My probably, poor wife too. We should Nobody. probably talk after the show. <laughs> I have so many connections that I've just spread myself all the way out there. I can't lose any more people, Shane. <laughs> We'll talk about it after. We'll the show. talk about it later. It's very, um, very sensitive. I already lost Coda in this, during the duration of the show. I've Coda's already lost my Coda. My life's warmer and I'm more. I'm gonna hit rock bottom. Damn it! <laughs> Stop losing weight. <laughs> I bet Coda would uh, cuddle with Chris. <laughs> um, what was the question? Oh, the cost. Right. Um, well, I know how much. How much fuel you're gonna have to yeah, buy? Yeah, I to, know. I roughly go through five gallons of fuel during the in the races, and then. In, I usually end up bringing with me seven to get through the practice sessions. Mm-hmm. 
actually, truthfully, I bring 10 gallons with me. I bring two five-gallon jugs with right. me. Right. But you end up coming home with but, three-ish? Yeah, ones with pump fuel and ones with race fuel. I do the practice sessions on pump. Oh. Because um, it's 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 a quarter of the price. Does the So there's no mapping issues with the... Oh, I have a switchable map oh, sweet. On, the, on the bike already. Okay. And then now I have to buy a power commander to do the tuning. So that'll make it even more more friendly. Um, but yeah, I go. I, I bring with me 10 gallons and I probably come home with a gallon or two, depending... On what happens and i got one other question that's kind of granular okay does, does do you think the kind of spark that a spark plug produces a specific spark plug produces will help you burn the fuel more efficiently and thus get more power out of the engine that's a really good question and way more technical than i can probably accurately address i do know one of the things with fuel is controlling the ignition right and con- controlling like you'll actually one of the metrics you'll see when you look at the the fuel like they, they have these crazy spec sheets and one of those metrics is the the burn time how quickly it ignites and and how quickly that flame spreads across the piston mm-hmm. um and that is kind of one of those things with like spark plugs like that they're trying to I remember when I was a kid, I used to see this like commercial for spark plugs that had like a like a dual head. Yeah, like yeah. it was called like the the venom or it was some sort of snake metaphor because it was like the snake's tongue. I remember seeing that. And I don't know if that works or not. More technically minded people can can answer that better than I can. But I know the marketing was playing to that idea of like more spark contact means better combustion means more power. <laughs> means you're a real man. So yeah, I mean, I do think there is a certain a certain value in the higher value spark plugs than say the lower ones. Right. I think I think there is a power difference that can be seen there. You go and get the you know twenty dollar iridium plugs versus like the three dollar shitty ones. Mm-hmm. I do think you'll see a, a power difference, but I'm was- not. I'm not. Don't don't go to Walmart and change your spending habits because of me because I'm not an expert on that at all. I always wonder if there was a correlation to that or is it just a matter of the, the spark plug has a more consistent spark so it burns the fuel more consistently as opposed to a bigger, you know, more bang per per spark. Because I, I guess in, in actuality, you're looking at better fuel delivery to the spark plug, right? You want it to mist better. You want it to, you know, maybe uh, break it down a little bit more so that it burns a little more violently as opposed to being kind of a lopsided burn the timing of the ignition is extremely important yeah you know you where you get that explosion and at what point it hits its peak in terms of the stroke of the piston is a huge is a huge part of it and and also controlling it with the compression because as you increase compression you're going to make things easier to combust Mm -hmm. to detonate that's why we call detonation um so it's a, it's a huge part of it I, I don't i'm not technically i don't i'm not a, a gearhead enough to really speak to that curious to see if somebody knows something that'll help you get a, like another horsepower yeah i think well i mean i did most of this season on pump gas mm-hmm. um and i i know for sure like the fuel that i think i'm going to end up running i'll probably get like a two three horsepower bump out of one of the fuels they could run maybe five to seven horsepower bump. Yep. Um, and it's like, do you actually? I should say there's four fuels that I'm considering. Two brands, and then there, 
No, no, three fuels. I was right the first time. Three fuels. Um. So there, there is going to be something there. And also knowing that the map I was using this year, like our race map, was made for a fuel that's very similar to the fuel I was using, but isn't the same fuel. So you could say, like, oh, maybe there's one or two horsepowers just in getting the fuel right. Right. So I don't know. Like, there'll be a little bit of a power increase. Will it be enough to offset results? Like, is that going to be the difference between winning and losing? I don't know. I lost a race by 68 thousandths of a second uh, when I was on pump gas and the other guy was on the one of the gases. I'm actually the one of the fuels I was considering. That's a fucking so, hell of a close race. So, you know, would three horsepower help me out there? Yeah, probably. That probably would have made a difference. But how many races do you really have like that? I'm really curious to see what your times will look like next year. I mean, granted, you're progressing anyways as a racer and you're learning more and you're going to become faster regardless. But you're looking to lose a ton of weight. Yeah. That's going to be a big, big change right there. I, yeah. I feel like once you go to the dyno and get the bike maybe dialed in a little bit more, it might give you that extra 68 thousandth of a second you're looking for. Truthfully, like like talking racecraft, uh, that's my strategy where I look at like, I want to go in, I want to win all my classes. Yeah. Which is going to be tough because there's there's a lot of guys in those classes that can win races. Um, if, if everyone shows up. You know, that's, that's always the thing is who's going to show up on the starting line with you. But, uh, knowing that it's like, okay, big goal. But to do that, my benchmark is the guy that won all the races last year, which is is a good friend of mine. Uh, we talk about on the show all the time, but it's like, I'm never going to weigh as much as he does. Yeah. And the Kramer is never going to make as much power as his bike does. Mm -hmm. So to be competitive, like, what do I got to do? Well, I got to increase power and I got to lose weight. So that was my strategy. Like, well, I can get a little bit more power and and hedge and close that gap a little bit by changing fuels yeah. and and mapping the bike for it and maybe some other strategies. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to get really more than five horsepower, probably claw back five horsepower. So the other spot I got to do it is is on weight. And I'm lucky because my the Kramer is significantly lighter than the bike that he's run. So that helps make up for some of the weight that I will carry. Mm-hmm. But if I can close that delta on on our physical bodies and knowing that i have you know 30 40 pounds to lose that just just to be healthy just to be a healthy person Mm -hmm. like i should lose 30 pounds to be a healthy person maybe (laughs) 40 pounds to be a healthy person um because you know getting older has been tough that that helps achieve the same goal as well so it's like trying to get at it from both ends trying to go solve a problem from from two different ends of its issue and uh you know if everything goes cool, if I get five more horsepower uh, and I lose 30, 40 pounds, yeah, I'll, I'll be competitive. Yeah. I don't know if that makes me win the race or or not. You know, there's still a lot of racecraft. There's still a lot of other things that play into it. Um, but it gets me in that in that envelope where I'll, I'll be there. And, and, that, and that's all you can ask for. Well, that's the, you know, given the, give, you got to give yourself the opportunity. That's right. So well, also, you're giving yourself a, a a realistic goal to chase after. Oh, absolutely. That and that's and that's for me is like a huge part of what what drives me as a competitive person. Is like, okay, there's the mark. Yep. I know I need to make this many points around in order to win my class. To do that, you have to get these results. To get these results, you need to be able to do these lap times. To do these lap times, you need to be able to you know. There's there's a variety of factors that go into that. 
one of them being horsepower, one of them being weight, one of them being tires, one of them being rider skill, one of them being, um, you know, knowing the track and, 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 and course knowledge. Right. Um, so, you know, how do you get there? Well, to get the lap time, you, you improve those, those, those things I just mentioned, and that helps you get to the position where you're, you're neck and neck with the other people and then your race craft. That's the whole thing. You know, it's an exciting year. One leads to the other. I'm excited to see what you do. Yeah, I'm excited too. It should be it should be a lot of fun. Um, we've got a good a good schedule, and it's yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked for Sweet. it. Sweet. I had a lot of fun racing with Homer this year. Uh, this year, we're in 2020. Already. I, I'm still doing that. Like you know, some people have like the problem like riding it out. 2019 that you scratch out to 2020. Don't have that issue. I go with the next year. This year, I still think I'm in 2019. It'll come to you like in June. It just doesn't feel like we're in the year yet. Not yet. It's too early. Things to be in stages. You know what it is? Because nothing started. No. Like my life, like my racing hasn't started. MotoGP hasn't started. Right. Press launches for 2020 bikes haven't happened yet. Dakar? Dakar is going on right now, which which we don't cover on ANR really it's anymore. so hard to cover. How do you cover Dakar? It's really hard to cover. And even the official information oftentimes can be wrong. Right. Uh, we've talked about this before. But... um. Uh. And and then just kind of looking at like I think we cover too much racing stuff sometimes and it's dirt, <laughs> and it's in Saudi Arabia and I could just care less. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. The American uh, Brabac is doing very well. Uh, I think Sam Sunderland is out now. I think he got injured. I think Toby Price is leading as of right now so yeah it's it. i mean interesting things are happening like that that's the sad thing is i, I kind of wish we cover it sometimes because it's one of those races where something happens every day you know like there's always a major person who could win it who crashes out oh yeah every every edition of that there's like two or three guys that like oh that was someone's favorite to win oh no he crashed he's out yeah it's just such an it's such a non-controlled uh, uh field Anything can happen. Anything. It's the most. It's like it's like watching TT race. It's that's, just that's why it's so impressive that KTM has won it as many times as they have, like seventeen or eighteen times. <laughs> I've lost count. Somewhere in that neighborhood, it's almost twenty. Um, because it is one thing. Anything can happen. Yeah, I think maybe KTM's uh, secret is that they show up a lot more. They show up. I mean, they've got a lot more riders yeah. and they've got a lot more experience, and it's managing chaos and experience is is a big part of that. So. But one of these days, Honda or Yamaha or one of those other brands, I, I won't I won't count it if Husqvarna wins it. That's still KTM. Right. Um, but one of those brands is going to unseat the king, and that'll be interesting to I'm, see. I'm blown away that it's not Honda yet. They're knocking at that door. Um, I just love it because just about every form of motorsport has progressed so insanely in technology. And even the Dakar, I mean, if you look at the the bikes that they're using, they're unbelievable machines, but like still being navigated by a pilot that's looking at a piece of paper. literally a toilet paper I love that a lot. That's amazing to me. Here we have the most technologically advanced motor you've ever had in your life, but you better learn how to deal with this roll of paper. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Bob, probably by the time the show gets out, the Dakar will be wrapping up um, or close to it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where that that lands. I'm going to try and do the taste of Dakar this year. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Maybe I'll learn fun. how to read those papers and I'll report back to you. Yeah, let me know. That'd be I'm interesting. Take the big beast out there. You're gonna take the the enduro. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was like, I don't think it'll do it. And everyone that I've talked to, like, oh, I've gone out there on the big bike. I'm like, great. I'll bring my bike back all destroyed. This should be a good time. It's right all, in time to trade it in for something. Yeah, I was like, it's all paid off, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. 
Well, that'd be cool. Um, well, I think we should get out of this show, Shaheen. It I think so, too. Just about two hours on the nose. So oh, Good job, Coda. I get to do editing on that. Woo. Yay. Um, but we will talk next week. Uh, trying to think if there's anything between now and then that we'd report back on. I don't think there is. But we'll definitely have some more motorcycling stuff to discuss on the show. Hell yeah. What do you say to that, sir? I say safety third and get the hell out of my house. Wait, I'm in your house. (laughs) (laughs) Good talk. I'll see you out there. Bye. This episode of the Brap Talk Motorcycle Podcast is brought to you by AGV Helmets and the new AGV K6. What you need and what you want in a motorcycle helmet. Hello, my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly motorcycle podcast where we discuss the happenings. Oh wait, yeah, we don't we don't say it that way, do we? This is a weekly podcast. This is a is weekly it? podcast. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> Fuck beans. Do I need to replay one of our beginnings for you? <laughs> might actually, that might be the quickest way to, to figure it out, actually. Salam and good evening, my listener Brap Talkers. <laughs> this is weekly, monthly, bi-weekly program where we talk about motorcycle and also other things. Kotakiti <laughs> keeping Jensen's crotch warm. I drink water here. No whiskey in house. <laughs> Yeah, Irish. Jesus, Jensen, get. Good morning. <laughs> this is Brap Talk, man. Coming to you live from sunny, warm Portland, Oregon. Gonna bring you the fat bass tunes today. We wake up early and talk motorcycles with you. <laughs> the bass line so thick you can feel it all the way down in Jamaica, man. That's our best one. Slow the out of all the ones I picked, that's the one. Uh, this is a weekly podcast. <laughs> oh, that was great. I love that you picked the one that doesn't have it. I am your host, Jensen Beeler. <laughs> what were we drinking that day? So, I don't know. I like it a lot. <laughs> we need to do all of them like that. What happened? That was amazing. <laughs> what happened? There was a lot of Rastafarian in us. Did we have some jerk chicken the night before? We had a one in like 27th <laughs> chance amazing. of picking that one. Amazing. Let's go play the lottery right now. Uh, Coda, nuts. go get some scratch-offs. You know how to do this. Uh, nuts. Um, that's an outtake. <laughs> <laughs>